Scott and joining me one more time this week, the absolute maniac to my wannabe brainiac, it's Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Scott. I'm so glad you're here, because we are here to delve into and discuss, via my somewhat exhaustive recap and review, The Boy Season 3 Finale, The Instant White Hot Wild. Oh, by the way, I just realized I've never made a comment about this, or I haven't for the last several weeks. Um... I think most, if not all, the titles of the episodes were actually taken from the storylines from the actual comic books. From that, I could be wrong about that, but I think I think I'm right about that. Um, I did not do any uh, due diligence research on what the titles actually meant. What they, if they were referencing, they might have been literary references in some cases. I'm sure they were for some of them, like that really long one about the candle. Uh, <laughs> So there, so I will defer to other podcasts out there, which are probably more informative in that area. I apologize. I did not put in the research on that, but it, it just occurred to me that, wow, it's like, oh, that's another title. I'm not sure what that means. And I hate sounding ignorant on the podcast, but I'm ignorant of it. Sorry. Hopefully someone out there will, Hey, you know what? Email stvdpodcast at gmail.com. I'll never see it. Cause it'll probably take me three years before I ever open up that email box again, but it'll be but, kind of I funny. Mean- <laughs> The energy will be there. The energy will yeah. be there, and you'll feel better knowing that you told us. Yes, I like I like this at time. I like I like the time capsule aspect of it, or something. <laughs> you know, it'll be it'll be something. You know, put you know at, at my funeral. Could someone open up stvdpodcast.gmail.com <laughs> and see if I got sent anything? Hey, there's a there's an email here about Better Call Saul from 2022. It's like, holy crap! I was still alive then. Anyway. Back to the podcast. Now, before I begin the rundown of the episode with Jamie here, um, say, Jamie, before, without getting into any specifics, because I think we want to save it more till the end when we've gone yeah. through everything, um, but just in general, based on the message I got from you in the, in the middle of the night, I think it was... <laughs> Most likely. Pretty sure it was post-midnight. Pretty sure. Pretty sure about that. Um, you were pretty positive about this finale. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. After the first 15, like I said, after the first 15 minutes, I started out going, I'm not, I don't know. There's something about the flow that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of a sudden we're jumping, you know, a couple. I just, I don't know. It felt like there should have been like a, an episode or two in between where we were at for some reason. There's right. just something with the flow. Um, but once, once we had the gang all together and the storyline was pushing forward, I was a hundred percent in and I loved it from that point on. Okay. There you go. Uh, just curious because, um, there was a minor kerfuffle on Facebook the other day by minor, like two people, um, who were not, I wouldn't say they were overwhelmingly negative, but I wouldn't say they were overwhelmingly positive either. It was in the good, not great maybe somewhat disappointed or un- underwhelmed, whatever. Um, I didn't quite feel that negatively about it. I actually am, f- I'm pretty positive about the finale overall. 
If I have any negative things to say about it, it may relate to the season overall. But again, overall, I really do like the season, but we're really going to talk about that more at the end of the podcast, not now. Because uh, we need to punch and kick and burn our way through this entire episode before we get there. <laughs> so let, let's start the episode. And we start with Homelander when he shows up at that address that Newman had g- given him. Newman. Um, and as we, as pretty much everyone expected, it is where Grace has been hiding Ryan. Now, I don't know if this had anything to do with uh, your issue of the flow in the beginning of the episode. I don't think it did. <laughs> but only because I've made reference to it in previous podcasts, I think. I could be wrong. I might be forgetting one. I probably am. But it felt to me this was the first time this season that we had an actual um, somewhat straightforward opening. It wasn't a scene yes. from a film or a clip from a right. TV show or a talk show appearance or some form of a pre-existing recorded moment or whatever. They just went right to, oh, we're going, we're, we're, we're jumping right into the action of the episode here. Yep. Right into the story. So yeah, it's, it's basically, it's a, it's the father son, uh, I guess, well, since they have been together before, we can call it a father son reunion. Am I, crazy, and I don't mean crazy like Homelander crazy, just maybe a little crazy. Um, but does Homelander, who otherwise I think we would all agree is a sociopathic murdering villain, <laughs> does he not impart some fairly rational fatherly advice here to his son? Yeah, um, I gotta say, uh, for better or for worse, the psychopath kind of has a way with kids, right? Like, <laughs> like, he did really well. Like that was a that was a good talk. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I, he, he didn't say any. I mean, by and large, I mean, yes, one could quibble with certain things he said about you know, but but that maybe that's more unrelatable for us because we don't have these otherworldly powers. But beyond that, as far as making the kid feel better about himself and about the situation and everything, I, I thought he actually did a, a, a decent job. I wasn't like horrified by it so yeah yeah and you know i mean throughout the episode you know we have we we have a few more moments that he has with him i i am really and i i think it just goes to to part of why i liked this episode so much i am really like a little on the fence like we know who homelander is we know he's full of it we know he's a sociopath and a psycho and we know all of these things but like is there a little is there a little teeny tiny soft spot in there is there a part of him that is is there a part of him that's just human enough to really like feel something for ryan or is this somebody who was raised in the spotlight and knows exactly what to say Hmm. It's an interesting quandary. Uh, I can see going one way for part of the part of my answer and the other way for the rest of it. Um, you know what? I'll do it now. No, no point in doing. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it right now. Uh, my my feeling on that is okay. It, it goes a little something like this. Um, as far as how Homelander speaks, as far as how he's crafted the way he will relate and speak to, to someone. This is years of prep work and training through Vought International and so on. Although he's kind of gone off the rails <laughs> in, in recent weeks, much to everyone, not everyone, much to a certain segment of society's appreciation, of course. But he's... Remember how, I think it was how this season began, 
where it was nothing but the same soundbite from him on all those talk shows that everything yeah. was very extreme. I mean, I think he's kind of, this is the way he's been with people in general throughout, um, his existence pretty much. Um, so, and I think that goes to how he is with kids again in general, because I'm sure there has probably been a billion photo op situations where he's had to be with, you know, the make a wish kid here or yep. visit a classroom there, that, 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 that kind of thing. I'm sure that they've done that because, you know, he's well versed. Yes. However, and that, and that would cover that aspect of it, I think, as far as how, you know, how he carries himself, how he's, well, how, how he's, how he knows how to deal with a child or to, to a certain extent, at least. Um, however, to flip it, it's his own experience and what he, um, his feeling, the void that he has in his own life, mm-hmm. as far as a parent and far as family is concerned. Ding, and ding. Ryan is finally someone who actually fills that void. He actually is family. He, he's not, he's not family by, he's not, he's not, he's not someone who was given like, okay, you can make these people your family. Like he, something he says yeah. later on in this it's episode. Not a team, not right. a team put together. And it's also someone who's at a formative age where this person might also have feelings towards you that aren't manufactured, that aren't phony, that aren't mm-hmm. just because it's what they're supposed to, that they might actually feel that bond as well. So it's it's very interesting. It's something I think he's kind of uh, again. It, none of this redeems him as far as being the horrible creature that he is. <laughs> and let's, let's yeah. not forget that. But let's also not forget that even the most vile cr- creatures and villains, the, the things that always make them the most interesting is like, oh, but they have that one thing. They, they gotta have, that, have yeah. that one thing. You know. And and to kind of piggyback off of what you were talking about with with Ryan that just another aspect that we've seen with Homelander. Uh, We've seen him in a scene where he actually got to like, you know, uh, really love himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He, he looks at Ryan and now he has the opportunity to be the perfect dad that he wanted to have, that he never got to have that he was missing out on when he was this child without a family with powers growing up in this world. Um, he can tell him all the things that he thought he deserved to hear. And also, or lastly, because after this, when I get to the, ep- back to the episode, um, but I'm really, really enjoying this. Uh, I've, I've said this. I don't know if I remember saying it when we've talked about this show. I think we have. Unless it was something I was talking about with uh, Umbrella Academy, perhaps. Not sure. But it applies to all characters on shows, on all shows, uh, especially shows of this nature, uh, a character that otherwise would be um, flailing around being kind of, you know, in, in Homelander's case, kind of just, you know, just, you know, a runaway sociopath, pretty much. They need an anchor. They need yes. something, a tether. To, yep. to to hold, and quite often when we see that, we see it as a relationship with, like, say, a significant other, or or hopefully significant other, or something like that. And when a character experiences that loss, they lose that connection, that tether, or whatever. Ryan is what 
he sees Ryan as a, I think he sees Ryan as that possibility because his relationships haven't really been genuine. I mean, because think about what he says, what what we hear him say to Maeve. Uh, Think about how he felt, how he seemed to feel at at least one point as far as Stormfront was concerned. Think about the bizarre relationship he had with um, Elizabeth Shue's character in season one. But he's a God that needs to have that one thing that also grounds him. That that, that keeps that retain, that helps him retain um, some level of humanity, even if his reflection in the mirror doesn't want him to have that anymore. Um, Well, and um, the reality is, is literally every single thing in Homelander's life, all the way from conception has been manufactured for him. Right. For him to have something that's truly organic. It's something he's never experienced yet. Correct. Exactly. Okay. So, back to the episode. So, we we actually, once again, established that there are protesters outside uh, the Vought International Building. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it, it's like the protests that would go on outside of, well, especially as of late, maybe, but uh, for the last 40, 50 years outside of uh, abortion clinics, because you got the pro and the anti, the free mave movement, the, the starlight's yes. a liar people, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure this has only gotten worse since Annie tricked Homelander with that impromptu um, little streaming yeah. stunt uh, <laughs> yeah. when he was, like, threatening her and talking trash about Maeve and so on. Uh, so so and it, it's just it's important to note that that's going on because it, it's just kind of very... If, if for no other reason, it's a reflection of what's going on in the world right now. Since we're, which is, I, I find it interesting to do things like that because when you're watching a show, especially a show like this, you know, most of our scenes are confined to the characters that we're following your homelanders, yep. your butchers, and your whatever. These are little glimpses like, okay, but this is what's going on in the world. This is what's going on in the city. This is, what, this is how everyone's being perceived. This right. is the state of chaos that's being sown out there. And it's, again, it, you can't help but note, notice or note how the similarities in what they're pr- projecting and, um, here on the boys as to what's been going on in this specific country for the last several years, at least definitely the last few years. Um, and I know there are those, I don't think any of them listen to this podcast, uh, who take issue with the boys and, oh, they're incorporating politics. And I just say to them, politics have been baked into the show from day one. If you have, if you didn't realize that, I don't know. I don't know what you've been watching. And you know what? Before you say it, I do not, other than me, what I'm saying right now, which I guess is doing, it's a hypocrite. (laughs) I, other than me commenting on it right now, by saying that I don't want to comment on it, that's my comment. The, no, the the awareness that there are people out there who didn't realize Homelander was a villain and and the whole Trumpiness of the whole thing. You know what? That's it. I don't want to even spend another 10 seconds of our podcast wasted. No, nope, because I think people. most people who either are a fan of the show or a fan of the series uh, as a whole, as, as a written series, as the show, I truly believe that when the very first concepts of this this story and these characters were being formed and put down on paper, politicians were being used uh, as an inspiration to these characters. Because that is just part of the world. At this point in time, politicians are as big of stars 
as the stars themselves. Right. Um, and, and that's just how our society teaches it. Tr- treats politics the news all of that so right. to to walk into this and then suddenly have this thought i i can't i cannot comprehend it um there are those that have have done this i can't comprehend it i have nothing more to say on that yeah it, it it's just it's it's, it's a part of a the continuing odd trend of people commenting on the injection of politics into whether it be other TV shows or movies or sports or whatever. And sometimes, <laughs> yes. you know, look, um, first of all, it's always one side is ever saying this. I've noticed, um, for the most part, um, I, myself, I think 90% of the time it, it doesn't phase me at all. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's that it's 20, whatever year it is, 2022 or 2020, whatever when it was last year. That's the way that's TV movies, whatever often reflects what's going on in the world and life yep. and society. It doesn't matter. Yep. the way TV shows. I mean, it was harder for them to do that in the fifties and sixties. So when you did see a show do something, even if it wasn't very subtle, it was also perhaps even more courageous that they did that. So when you would oh, see a Twilight, yeah. when you see an old Twilight Zone episode that came out in 1959 and you realize what they're doing there, it's like, wow, that was a really big deal. Or you fast forward to a show in the sixties, whether it be yep. Kirk and Uhura kissing That's on an exactly episode of Star what I was Trek, thinking of. Yep. you know, how big a deal that was, you know, and so on and so forth. And you know what? If there had been social media that existed, in any of those time periods of this country, I'm sure you would have had the same kind of people saying the same kind of things that you see nowadays. You know, I can't, I can't say it. There, there, there may be two shows that come to mind. I won't, I won't say what either of them are. One of them's animated. Um, <laughs> one of them is part of a big science fiction franchise, which I, I, I feel maybe they've, they've leaned in a little harder than they should have <laughs> because it's just, it's, 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 it's beyond not subtle. It's like, huh? <laughs> okay. it, it, it seems a bit much <laughs> because, because it, 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 the whole thing I always feel with a lot of these things, like it should be done in such a way where I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not even aware of it because that, like anything, it's like, you know, like the, the best music and something, the best, whatever should be like, Oh wow. That, that made the scene. And I wasn't even really thinking about that. I was just so taken with the scene. Same with, I feel about Starlands. It's like, if it seems like it's like, Oh wow, that, that they're really ladling a lot of that on here. Okay. They're really trying to check every box. Eh, right. Right. Okay. And I, I, I feel like it's an important thing to, to note too, that a lot of, a lot of the um, hard feelings that come out of, this type of storytelling that actually reflects real life um, with using absurdity as a way to reflect real life is that if you feel like you are constantly the butt of the joke, then maybe step back and see what the joke is about. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Okay. And look at that. We have to talk. I I like how I I talk so much about it and (laughs) without really talking about it, I just, in fact, I just, through two shows under the bus. I never said what those two shows were, and I'm not going to. But though again, but if I finish this drink by the end of the podcast, I probably will say what they are. We just might. All right. We don't know where this is going to go, guys. This is the finale. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a finale. It's, the, it's our voice finale podcast, too. So, so I mentioned that the protesters were outside. Inside, you have this unlikely pairing of Ashley, who genuinely seems uh, kind of sorry for it all at this point. Um, even mouthing the word sorry, 
uh, to uh, Maeve in a, in a minute. And she's there with... She's there, Sorry! But she, but she's teamed up... Yeah, no, I think she does it in more... Ge- she, she's genuine about it. She's actually genuine about it. Yeah, she's like, oh, this is, this is kind of a dick move. Mm-hmm. This is... Yep. Because of what we see that happens towards the end of the episode, it, this kind of, the connect, the kind of connect the dots... Um, and the horrible thing that happens to her in the middle of the episode connects that's for Ashley's little through lines of this episode. And you see that, you know, again, much like, uh, other, uh, more villainous characters, I'm not saying she's been redeemed totally, but at least she gets, you know, she gets a couple brownie points for this episode and what, what yeah, she does. Her, but, her human is showing a little bit. But here, uh, I, I seem to have, uh, 8,000 ellipses and dash dashes ago, I was trying to say um, who she's, uh, the unlikely pairing. I never got who she's paired with. And it's the deep. The deep. Yes. Who I, again, stress. And I've said it before in other podcasts. I'll say it again. The deep. Who is anything but. (laughs) Anything but deep. But this is a great pairing, right? Because he, he doesn't have his wife with him. He needs to have a woman who knows what the hell's going on next to him, or, or he is going to be lost. He's going to be pulled out into the tide. Or fish. He needs someone. Or, he needs an anchor. Or a mollusk. Or <laughs> fish. Some, some yep. amphibious creature. They decide that they need to move Maeve. That's where we get the little moment through the window of the door where Ashley actually says, sorry. Um, now, somehow, they, they, they knock her out with some sort of gas. Now, I'm not sure if this is the same gas that everybody will want to use on Soldier Boy later on in the episode, it would be kind of a neat little thing if it was. I do not know that it is. They never say it's what it is, so I don't know. But it would make sense, since they're both these high-powered superheroes, that it wouldn't just be a normal gas. It would have to be something extraordinary to be able to knock her out. And the fact that they have all the right ingredients for this chemical makeup in, in their lab. Which we know... Although we haven't gotten to that plot point yet, but we've all watched it, so we know. All right. So, <laughs> meanwhile, 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 Butcher seems to think Soldier Boy knows deep down, if there is a deep down, as far as Soldier Boy is concerned, that he's not really Homelander's father. You know, yeah, genetic material doesn't make him a father. Now, I'm not so sure about that because there's a whole lot of ways you can get DNA. If you, if, because again, since this is not a, this is not reality. It's a fantasy, obviously. Duh. Sure, sure. So if we can buy all these other things, we can also therefore buy that they can do cloning at this point. So you think they could have just taken any bit of his DNA to make another, but they went right for the sperm. Um, again, that makes me wonder, okay, if his sperm's involved, does that mean there was a female egg involved as well? There would have to be, I would assume. And then I go back to the theory, which I, do, I don't believe they've ever said it on the show, that, that perhaps one of Stormfront's ovaries got coughed up for this one. Which, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, st- I, I still support this theory. I, it makes sense in so many ways because everything from the fact that in, in the comics, Stormfront was a guy and actually was supposed, was tagged at one point as Homelander's father. So you already have that weird connection in a pre-existing story. And plus it would just be a beautiful up the creepy factor of the fact that he was involved with someone who turns out to be his mom, because we know that she at one point was involved yes. with Soldier Boy when she yes. was uh, Lady Liberty, I think was her. Uh, yeah, and it's alias. perfect for Homelander's uh, love life mo, anyway. So oh, yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. He has got a thing for moms, moms and and boobs that are filled with you know. 
Anyway, yes. so um, yes, indeed. Though I will say, though the, the the only thing is, is if this if this theory does does come into fruition, if this is true, then we need to see at least one clip of Homelander as a child without the blonde hair. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm going to say the hair, although. There seems to be a lot of dyeing and frosting and whatever going on with that hair. Um, keeps seeing, I think I see roots, quite frankly. Absolutely. Uh, I, I really do feel the, like there is a hairdresser responsible for old, it. To me, the only thing that works against my, my theory, other than, you know, there's a million ways to go on it, and they probably, don't even, they probably won't even revisit this. Who knows? Um, it's the fact that they killed her off. So you kind of lose something with that being the truth by having her... Uh, being sure, off. sure. Mm-hmm. Although, if she, if turned out, you know, if she was just a, a you know, a, a charred a charred briquette, you know, you know, with missing <laughs> limbs, and then she realized my my life is jerking off the guy who turns out to be my son. Yeah, I might might be killing myself too. But then it could turn around and also be something that he holds uh, with uh, angst and anger towards Ryan in the future. Perhaps, although. And we'll get there. So we click, we click, we quick, quickly, quickly, we bounce back to Maeve. I'm not sure quite how she revives herself from that gasp because there's a max. Of she did too. To I mean, I was yeah. thinking, did she hold like her she, breath? You know? Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm are, assuming that you've had nitrous at the dentist before. I feel like that crap takes longer to get out of my system. I mean, I'm not a soup, but like they did knock her out. Well, I, my, my guess is, oh, first of all, I wish they would give me nitrous at the dentist. I dream about these things. They've never happened. I bleed and I cry and I never want to go back. Um, I'll write a note. I'll I, write a note for I, you I, next time. They just keep pricking me with the fucking needles. So it hurts more than the actual cleaning. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they just maybe they just simply overestimated the gas's effect on her. Maybe they were using regular gas, which wouldn't really knock her out for long enough. Unlike the one that they're going to use want to use on Soldier Boy later on. Don't know. All I know is she escapes. Okay. Now this is really far fetched. This is a real just a thought. Very far fetched. Do you think she was an intentionally not kept knockout because they they knew that she'd be able to overpower them and escape? Hmm. So, did someone help her, but not own up to helping her? Yeah, somebody who might have not, uh, you know, maybe erased some footage later. That would be the only person I could think of. That that's yeah. a, that's an interesting theory. I like it. I like it. Ooh, it's like we're talking about like a show, like a Lost or something. We're making theories and shit, whatever. Oh, <laughs> people are gonna people are actually gonna like this podcast. Anyway, speaking of gas, uh, no, oof, no, not that gas. No, Frenchie. That's what I'm talking about. Frenchie has tracked down the one kind of guest that can weaken, knock out, possibly even kill Soldier Boy. I'm a little, I'm a little confused yes. about this, but well, whatever. I think it's just it'll knock him out. Um, he gives yeah. it to. Uh, have we decided we're just going to call him MM because he feels silly saying mother's milk all the time? MM. I'm all. I'm in a hundred percent support of the MM. Although. Again, didn't they refer to him by another name at some point? And can I just call him that name, or am I just forgetting? What? Ah, never mind. I, just can't I don't. Re- I don't recall because I know Starlight refers to him as MM. And speaking of Starlight, can I just add that I thought it was just freaking glorious that this nerve agent is put into a bottle of Starlight Wish perfume. Wish. It is fantastic. 
Of course she has perfume. See, it's these little things where you go, God, they have just marketed these, these people down to just every little speck. There's perfume. Okay. Of course. I mean, how how could there not be? I mean, think about it. (laughs) I mean, I just, it's just those little things like that where it's like, at at the surface, this show can be just so over the top and 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 be so silly and involve bestiality into humor for crying out loud. Well, I'm, I'm, but then there's these, but then there's these things like this where you go, okay, now you can fully it's it's the reminder for you to fully back the battle for somebody like Starlight to like break free from the absurdity and the evil of the commercialism right. um, and, and the expectations. It's like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go as far as say that it's probably like a Homeland or Cologne or Aftershave or something, but I bet there's like workout equipment that's marketed for with, with the Homelander name on it. I bet there's, yeah. I bet a train, it probably has his own form of Hennessy. Anyway. Um, yeah, I went there. So but, there are but, vibrators. But, <laughs> there are vibrators. That's all so, we know. Vibrators are at the bottom. And work your way up to the fucking top. Everything is marketed. Yeah, I know. I smart enough to getting a piece of the vibrator action. Um, <laughs> wow, that's. Hmm, I really like that sentence. Mother's milk, however, or MM, is torn up. However, he's torn up about losing his temper and punching out Todd in front of his daughter. Yes. He's horrified at the thought that his daughter will see him as a violent man, someone who has lost control. This is the point. <laughs> Actually, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Why I would be like, you didn't, you had a problem with the first 15 minutes? Shut up. Because one of my favorite parts is in the first 15 minutes. Because it's, I did forget it, about this it, conversation. It's so odd. Right? It's so, because we get a chance to see just how smart, how literary minded, I would say, both Frenchie and M.M. apparently are. Because Frenchie drops a quote from the ancient Greek historian Herodotus. <laughs> and yes, I'm pretty sure that is how it's pronounced. I actually looked it up to make sure it wasn't... It's not Herodotus? No, it's Herodotus. The quote being, or the, 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 the most commonly used version of the quote is, of all men's miseries, the bitterest is this, to know so much and to have control over nothing. Yeah, Frenchie actually says most bitter, but you know he's French, but whatever. Um, there's like I, I look, there's like a dozen different slightly ver- slightly different versions of this. That's essentially what the quote is. No one cares. Uh, the gist is always the same. Um, I just I kept repeating that quote to myself: "Of all men's miseries, the bitterest to know so much and have control over nothing." Like wow, you know, I, I kind of wish this had been brought up when we were doing the Breaking Bad rewatch because this sounds like what Walter White was struggling with all the time: the fact mm-hmm. that he can know so yep. much, yep. and yet his struggle is that he has no control over anything. That's smartest man in the room. But that's his fundamental flaw. So I mean, I wouldn't say that about Homelander, for example, because. It's the one. It's actually one of the differences. Like, so we know he's supposed to be like an. E- he's kind of tagged as an evil version of Superman. And I was like, yeah, okay. There is one little difference, though. Um, Superman's smarter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because yes. that's the thing that people kind of forget. With Superman, like, oh, by the yes. way, Superman's actually like a genius. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty intelligent fellow. That guy. Yeah, and, and anything he does, knows like, okay, give me that book. <laughs> I finished it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> like when he's not in the suit, he wears glasses. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> nerd (laughs) now i did really love this scene though because well we've kind of seen mm slowly going off the rails this entire season and for it to be frenchy it just it's 
this guy, you know, from the outsider's view, you see somebody who, you know, he is dealing with some like trouble with some Russians and some drugs and some this and some that. And mm-hmm. he has a very sordid history. Um, but damn, this this guy has heart that the rest of them just, I, you know, it's it, there's something about Frenchie and his heart and his ability to look these guys in the eye and just say hey you know like uh basically you're human and you're fucking up but you're not a bad person you know and and that seems to be a theme he he's doing to all of those he cares about he knows the the shit that they've pulled in their life but he's the one who can say hey it doesn't matter because you are who you are now right Uh, it's funny that i know there are some folks and they wouldn't be listening because they don't want, they probably gave up on the show after an episode or two. But there's some who'd say that their, one of their issues with a show like The Boys is that, oh, they're all such horrible people. And, you know, they know we do. It's like, yeah, you know, there's some horrible people. Um, usually they're the ones with the powers, but, and, and, and then there's Butcher, uh, you know, but he's got certain redeeming qualities and we understand. But there's actually, uh, you have a, a handful of characters who actually, uh, have a lot of heart, do care about others, yes. and, you know, and are not, you know, self-centered, you know, arrogant, you know, horrible people. And we immediately gravitate to someone like a Huey, because that's how we saw him from the get, from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we saw that kind of early on with mother's milk because he's kind of the, the, he was kind of, he was kind of, at least in season one, when we first meet him, he seems to be more the, he seems to be the wisest one of them, you know? Right. So, yep. But yep. the interesting thing is what you're getting to what you were saying about Frenchie, like, but through all, through all this, the one who might have has, as you said, to use your phrasing, uh, the most sordid history is also the one who seems to have the most capacity, the, the largest capacity for heart of all of them, which is, I think, is Frenchie. And I think, yeah. and it's one thing, obviously, a major focus for him has, for the last couple of seasons has been him and his relationship, whatever it is between him and Kamiko. Yes, and we expect that, and we'll be talking about that momentarily. But it's when we see moments like this um, between him and Mother. And, you know, these people, these two have had, they've known each other for years. We saw how they interacted before. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of a love hate kind of a thing, but you know, they, you know, they, they have that brotherly love kind of thing going here. And I, I really like that he, he tells him what it is. He sees what's going on. And by the way, um, because, you know, it's borderline. It's, it's not quite teary. It's not quite super sweet. It's just right. And especially when I think that scene ends with his advice for him is to get back on the Lexapro. Yes. <laughs> Me, yes. Because, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I really love that little touch there. Like, and, uh, okay. And, and, and just one more, one more love for Frenchie in this, in this too, is that he is, he is so freaking good at understanding people that he not only gets mm to understand that he needs to stop hiding who he is he has enough faith in mm's daughter that she will accept and understand this right and like he's what a gem he's just a gem right i mean it's one of those cases where we either I, i mean it's i don't know if it's clear we how much he's ever interacted with his daughter if at all um, yeah. I do not remember if that had happened or was referenced in a previous episode or not, but it's safe to assume um, 
it's kind of, and I know they, and it's funny, we see this as something that's either been said or referenced with other characters, whether it be Huey and his father, or whether it would have been the case with Ryan and his father had they been together or not. It's the old chip off the old block, apple from, doesn't fall far from the tree kind of a thing. And I think Frenchie sees that the kind of person that Mother's Milk truly is, yep. then, then his daughter should be something along those lines as well. So of course she'll understand. Exactly. You know, and, and he's, we find, we see at the end of the episode, he's proven right. So well done, Frenchie. For now, Frenchie. Then, then you go and, you know, snort up, you know, half of, uh, <laughs> Columbia in the bathroom after that. But let, let, we'll, let, we'll circle after school special. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's get to, um, where are we? Homelander, Homelander, Ashley, the deep. Oh, this is the, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, uh, it's when uh, Homelander walks in and they have to fess up about moving Maeve. And, you know, and it, it, it's funny. I don't, I mean, I know the Deep is a, is nervous in the scene, but all I can remember is how nervous Ashley is. Yes. <laughs> and that it's at that point that uh, Black Noir re- yes. reappears. And we see that, at least in his head, that his little toon pals are with him as well. And I love that he's, there for support. He's mm-hmm. got he's got a handwritten sign. He's got the little heart, when he gets hugged by Homelander. The little the little little animated hearts are all around him. Um, and I I know that you you were watching. You know we were we were both talking about Stranger Things this week. Um, that we both finished everything up on on that. And I just could not help but like laugh when when he held up his sign because it was just such. Um, the wording was just so eleven. You know, <laughs> like, like, you know that a soldier boy will come. We kill. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Oh, now I I I don't recall much of what we said in our last podcast when we were talking about the um, Black Noir with his uh, his little tiny tune friends and whatever. Um, so if we said this, I I apologize that I'm re- being repetitive. I just want to make it clear. Um, and, and again, if I didn't say it in the last episode, my bad. Um, there there is supposed to be a takeoff on Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, absolutely yes. That whole thing is like to, circus, circus, Chuck E. Cheese. You bet. Like the, 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 actually, where they where where he sees them in the previous episode, that's supposed to be like an old abandoned Chuck E. Cheese like place. Yeah. Except it's called Buster. Be- that's where Bust instead of Chuck E. Cheese is Buster Beaver. Buster Beaver. Yeah. But that's so somehow it connects to something um, presumably from Black Norris' childhood, and he had a memory of that, and that's what's kind of locked him in here. And um, I, I. You know, goofiness aside, because yes, it is goofy. And like we were talking about last week, this has got Seth Rogen written all over it. Um, it's, it's, it, there's also something more to this that is just so creatively, uh, genius that here we have this character who is in a very like, you know, mysterious uniform. We never hear him talk. We never see facial expressions. We don't get any feeling off of this person at all. Until we get these silly animated characters, and finally Noir has a voice, right? right. Um, and it's just it it at surface level again. It's so silly that it's it's these these cartoon characters that came from his childhood. But if you really dig into it and just uh, accept like how actually deep and meaningful that is, um, it it kind of makes his his next scenes just so much more tragic. Oh yeah. You know, especially because I think he was going to have a Disney Plus deal with anyway. Um, 
So we'll, we'll, we'll sidestep out of the scene and get back to uh, the storyline going on with Butcher and Huey and all of them. Um, that's why Butcher, at least in, 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 a but, in a very Butcher way, <laughs> he sort of does the right thing yes, by punching yes. out Huey. <laughs> you know, in so, the way that he would do it. Yeah, you know, that way he won't come with them to New York, therefore he won't get the additional dose of the uh, temporary V, which we all know will be will be lethal. Bad, um, bad, bad. So now it's just, uh, ostensibly, it's just Butcher and Soldier Boy that are head- heading towards New York. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, at the end of the other episode, when Butcher doesn't tell him, okay, Butcher, you're an asshole. And now Butcher punches him out, <laughs> so he doesn't do it. It's like, okay, you did the right thing, but you're still an asshole. It's just Yes, but it leads us to one of the best like moments of dialogue in this entire season. Uh, you know, when he's sitting <laughs> he's sitting there and telling Soldier Boy what happened to Huey. Oh. Like it's it's worthy of rewinding and listening to again. And has given me one of my new favorite phrases of the year, which is done runner. <laughs> like <laughs> he pulled it done runner. This is when they're initially in the car. And before he yes, on the way yes. to New York, before he decides to go to sleep or something. All right, that's what I thought you were talking about. Okay, so we do actually we do um, segue to one of those side stories that's been going on all season, and that's the one between we have this little scene between A Train and his brother Nate, and mm-hmm. once again, um, again, I hate to be redundantly repetitive here. Uh, in multiple podcasts, but it's so weird to have a scene where I feel even a slight bit of sympathy for A Train. But you know, I, I it's kind of like one of the things you, you start to feel it, and you right. start, and then you start to remember, yeah. But you're a horrible. What I mean, the dude is like the epitome of too little, too late. Yeah, which I think yeah. is his brother's take on it as well. Not to mention his yep. brother being, you know, pretty much forever crippled in this sense right <laughs> you know, he's i think he's allowed to be a little negative well towards. and you know there's a lot there to feel uh sorrow and remorse for a train but then if you stop and realize like he's telling his brother like his way to fix his way of fixing this whole problem is to tell his brother who's probably never going to walk again that he needs a trainer like that is, that's just, I, you know, if you, if you come from the, his brother's point of view and recognize like, it doesn't matter what I do or say, there's only so much that he's ever going to take in. Right. Well, he, it's like, he's feeling that he, his brother could therefore vicariously live or walk exactly. through him yeah. and, and, you know, it, it look, it, it's difficult because he, Unlike anything we've seen A Train say or do before, I think we can agree he's genuinely sorry. Yes. And his way of trying to do something to fix things, this is all he knows. He's not, what I mean, one could point to, one could come up with other things he might do or say that might have a a more positive effect on his brother, but, but might believe him, but they would come pretty much at, to some extent at the sacrifice of his own celebrity and what he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it, it's, 
Yeah, but again, and there's something else I'm gonna want to I'm gonna want to say about him a little bit later on. I'm curious about, but that's in a later scene, um, and we don't because there isn't really much, other than that one later scene. There's not really that much with A Train in this episode right. overall. Well, and I think there's a very defining difference too. If I just want to point on that uh, between his brother's character and his character as a human, and that. In, in his belief, in order to matter, in A-Train's belief, in order to matter, you have to be a star and you got to do whatever, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice any part of yourself in order to be that star. And in his brother's mind is that these heroes are not stars. This isn't what a star is. It doesn't matter. that A star is somebody who takes care of their family and does the right thing. Right. And they're they're never going to ever come to a place where they uh, they can be uh, on the on the same plane as that. So I I feel for A Train, but I'm absolutely 100 percent in support of his brother saying just get out, <laughs> just get out. To me, I would just uh, the way I look at that, I would just say that um, a hero can be a star, but a star isn't necessarily a hero, and none of them, yes. none of these people. In his eye, or in, and then we know in reality, for the most part, none of them are actual heroes. And so it's funny right. how they always play on that line. Uh, usually it's Homelander, where he had said before, "No, the real heroes are you guys." You know, doing <laughs> yeah. and now he's saying, "No, no, it's me." No one, and it's like, it's "No, no, it's not. <laughs> You're anything but." In fact, I don't know if we've actually seen you do anything heroic. All right. Speaking of uh, surprising and heroic moments, or just surprising moments in general, because of the way I was talking about this relationship in previous podcasts, we have Huey when he gets picked up on the side of the road by Annie. I I, I really love the scene between them because we've. Ha- I mean, th- there is a nice, I guess, chemistry between these two that we've seen throughout the last few seasons. Whatever. They're 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 an oddly believable couple, and you can see you can yes. see the appeal and attraction. Uh, on, on both ends of it. Um, what, I, what I really liked about it, this scene, and there's a part where it's one thing for a character to have an epiphany, and it's, but, and it's something that's almost directly happens or is said in the moment or in a previous or in a, in a, or in a recent moment that, that they're reflecting upon. Oh, I sounded so smart when I said that. What I thought was fascinating here was that Huey kind of has an epiphany. But it's, I love the idea that it's epiphany that kind of just, it's kind of almost a non sequitur type of epiphany where it, it's like, wait, where, where did that come from? Where, what was the connection there? Because when he starts bringing up pizza rolls, and she's like, "What? You know the things that kids eat? Like, I felt sure. I would have you know, yeah, like fruit strips and you know, juice boxes." Um, but then when he tells that entire story about his father, about what it, about what he did uh, to try to raise him after because his mother had passed away, I think mother died, not just left, died, I think, right? I think... They, right. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm right about that. But but anyway, he, he tells this entire thing, and somehow it connects to the way he's been acting and the realizations about himself and how, again, someone who is genuinely sorry, unlike someone like A-Train, Huey actually has a shot at being able to know what to do or say here. Yep. You know, he yep. he doesn't have that hero slash star mentality, so to speak, whatever. But I, I, 
I love them. It's like, look, you know, you want, you know, you want to say it. You know, you're gonna just, just say, you know, you want to say, I told you so. And, really, <laughs> and when she, and she even, she throws in the first, the first F word there, where she says, I fucking told you so. That's great. And when you, and you see the way they're getting along, you're like, oh, you know what? I think these two crazy kids have a chance after all. Looks like they, uh, if they, if they survived these bumps in the road, huh? Well, well just the recognition of, you know, like, like he said, the, I, I didn't know what real strength was. Right, 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 right. Cause he, he, his, his version, he, he went very surface and he didn't real he, yes. he didn't probe under it, you know, the same way with, and when you can look at someone like his girlfriend, Annie, like, Yep. What makes her heroic, it's not her powers. No. She would be heroic no. without her powers. It's who yep. she is and what and what, what she believes and how she carries herself and what she does. It's not the fact that she can soak up, you know, light radiation and you know and, and fly and shit. Whatever. Anyway, Maeve shows up at <laughs> Um, by the way, the apartment that they've been hanging out at, is that Annie's apartment? I'm not- I thought it I thought maybe it was like MM's apartment. Okay, maybe it's his you know what? That's right, because he they're, they're, well, they're I separated. Only say that because, yeah, and I only say that because two reasons. Um the there the the pictures on the wall in the background would just probably match to him most than anybody else. And also because he is smoking in that apartment, and I don't know a single person that'd be like, Yeah, cool, smoke in my apartment if they don't smoke. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Because I kept thinking, okay, no, wait. We saw, I think the apartment we saw in other episodes was a lot fancier. And that looks like the apartment where Annie and Huey were living together. I mean, with the, with the, with the, all the, the gleaming yeah, white I, and the countertops, whatever. Right. And this is a different space. Now, that makes sense. It would be his I, – I keep forgetting it's because he's separated – or divorce, whatever it is, um, from his wife. Right. And he's, uh, yeah, in, in, comparison, in comparison to the rest of the characters that are going in there and staying in there, um, it's not like he's off the grid, not that, but you know what I mean? He's not on the same radar that they are in. Right. No, no. It, it, it make, I, I apologize for not paying as close enough attention to know that right from the get-go. I just had to think about it. Like, by process of elimination, I was like, oh, yeah, it's got to be his. That's, that can't be hers. And it, right. And, and, and Frenchie's probably would be a lot more grungy looking. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I kind of feel like he probably has, like, a basement floor place, like, wherever it is. However, it is interesting because if he's smoking and I, I that you caught that, whatever, it's interesting that for – wait, what does smoke smokes? Um because for someone with all those little OCD tendencies, you'd think he would have issues with that. But no, maybe he has a certain number of times he has to stamp it out, So, which we see him do. Um, Maeve. Maeve, Maeve, Maeve. Maeve pretty much reminds us that she's still kind of a mean bitch. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. She I mean, does have a little – she has an edge to her. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those, oh, we needed to be reminded of that. I mean, maybe we would have, we, we probably would realize that when she had that big sex scene with Butcher earlier this season. But when she, when, you know, poor old, now we're back to being a poor old lovable Huey walks in and she <laughs> says, so it's like you wear a neon sign that says raw dog me on the bottom. It's like, wow, wow, that's. You might, you know what? Oh my God, she's you, my. She really is my hero. You might, <laughs> in some ways, you might be the meanest of the seven. <laughs> you know. I oh, mean, she has got some fantastic snark. Or just that, actually, 
The nastiest, I should say. Because Homelander might be the meanest, but she might be the nastiest. Anyway, I love her whole attitude because it works so well with the I Love New York sweatshirt that she's wearing. In this yes, season. yes. Yeah, her pajamas. And she's got, like, I Love New York pajamas, too. I mean, she's she's fully fully invested in the tourist wear. Oh, yeah, but, well, you that, know, that, that's the, beggars that's, can't be choosers. That's the thing. When you're on the run, you always pick up, you know, whatever you can. And if you're in, around the New York City area, you could, it's, there's like all the diff- millions of crappy tourist traps where you'll pick up crap like that. that. So I think, and it's, I think it's that moment of, oh, just don't forget how, what a mean little bitch she is. I think at that point, that's when Mother's Milk and Huey, uh, you know, they're going to leave the room. You know, leave, leave it to the, these two women who, you know, they give it, they little, there's a little mutual respect with some caustic humor between the two of them are very different and whatever but it's kind of fun you know about you know congratulations on breaking out hey it's been nice if you you know it'd been better if you broke me up for you it's like yeah i probably couldn't have gotten away with that one <laughs> anyway so in the other room that's where we see kamiko smacking frenchie for the drug use since um he's been having since the whole little nina situation which seems to have kind of faded away you know um and and to just to note on this is one of those moments where I was like when I when I meant like the first half the first quarter of the show it wasn't like a full real complaint it was just like this this moment is one of those where it's like oh yeah I forgot that there's this right and 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 to and in some ways I almost feel like the show decided to forget it as well to a certain certain way right and it's like either I felt like either I would have liked this to have been included in at least one episode in the season previous to this. Mm-hmm. Or just not included at all. Yeah, I, I think there is a problem with you know what we and we've talked about it on other podcasts. Maybe not about this show specifically, but other shows, whatever. I cannot complain about the number of episodes. It's a nice number. Eight is a nice number. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't complain about it. However. One one might feel that certain storylines each season might have given had more room to breathe and mm-hmm. get further fleshed out. Um, the the smaller storylines, if they had say a ten episode season as opposed to eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. We said that we said that in previous seasons, like the stuff with Maeve in a previous season, whatever, and these side stories. And again, I don't even so much mean like A Train and the Deep, but yeah, no. this one. Because it felt like there was a lot of meat on the bone for the whole little Nina thing, um, yes. who played a much bigger, who played a really major role for at least for a chunk of time in the comic books, and it seemed like you know once they they broke out of the thing, you know she got away, and it's almost like don't reference her anymore. But you but you referenced her, so it seems like she's still around. She's still there's still danger out there. And we're just never, it's never going to pop up again, you know, until 2023, yeah. you know, December when they come back, whenever, it, whenever they come exactly. back. Exactly. You know? And and from where we, from a standpoint right now, and I think you would agree with me on this, if you were to look at everybody's storyline, story arcs, what have you, like the little Nina thing is really one of my least, most interested points. Like I don't, I don't know, maybe some people out there are really invested in that, but I don't care. I think there's a way it would have been more compelling, um, but again, it it, re- it would have required more time being spent. Yeah, exactly. And it and it's and it's difficult because on one hand, there's two. All right, I'm gonna get a little, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a little writery here. I apologize, uh, but yeah, it's cool. So you know, everyone needs to learn things. There's two ways to go about the stuff with the Frenchy Little Nina stuff, right? 
they, because, well, three, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, what they do is we're told, we're, no, excuse me, Little Nina references the way he worked for her once and their relationship once upon a time. And it's the, and and I, I at one point I really liked the economy of storytelling. Like, okay, that's enough. You don't need to tell me much more than that. You don't really right. need to tell me anything. I get it. Yep. I get and I get that it was bad. However, the problem becomes it felt like because all it really did was build up to this one scene where Kamiko just basically kills everybody, and <laughs> and he. I guess they help. What's her face? I guess she eventually gets away. Um, his ex, whatever her name was. Uh, wow. But, but little Nina got away from the whole thing. And it's like, so we know she's still out there somewhere or whatever. And it felt like, okay, it felt like you had a potential here, but you kind of, other than this one cool scene of Kamiko killing people or the other scene where a cool scene of Kamiko killing people, there wasn't really any point to it. In fact, all it really did was facilitate Kamiko killing people and Frenchie get it, starting to get high again constantly. I almost would have liked, yes. you know how it's kind of like we got we got those interesting flashback stories with payback and what happened with Soldier Boy and Nicaragua yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, if you if you're really gonna go all in all in with this little Nina, excuse me, I almost wish they had gone all in with the little Nina um, at one point, just so we could see. I would like to have seen an ep- part of an episode where I see the way Frenchie was. Yes. Oh, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would love it. And maybe we'll get that in the future. Maybe that's why that's they true. keep tapping be, be, us on the nose with little Nina. Because they, they, because the fact that he's fallen hard into the drug use, and then he's been high constantly, well, you're telling me he's trying to drug away the pain, drug away the memories. This, is, this isn't because he got tortured for like a few hours. No. Come on. Right. It's, no. Because, it's, because of, it's because of his past is coming back to bite him, whatever. I, now you're right. They, we may that may be one of the things we see in season four. And, and, I, and again, I'm fine with that because then they're like, okay, let, I like seeing the character the way they were then and the way they are now. And makes them, it just makes the character that much more interesting and more richer to me. Agreed. You can think about any character that way. You know, the other shows that we podcast about it certainly applies to. You know, it's yes. But and I think and I think if you give me that and you give me what how the key to that relationship was with him and little Nina, then all this works and makes more sense for me. Um, the problem again, I didn't hate it, but I'm kind of like you in the sense like, okay, my, it was like, you didn't really do much else with it. And then we get the scene between, uh, again, between Kamiko and Frenchie. And again, I love the, these two and I, you know, I'm rooting for you yes. guys, You bet. but at the same time, I also kind of feel like I feel like I've seen the scene between them a couple times now. I feel like we've yep. I feel like I've yep. got, we've gone through this already. That it's you know it's it, it's Kamiko trying to prop him up yet again, and then you know I don't because like didn't, didn't you guys just have a scene like this? Did you guys? Hasn't that happened like tw- three there's times been this plenty season? of scenes between the two of them where it's just they trade off who's needing to pick me up. Yeah, and, and that and and if if something's gonna bother me. Uh, that, that I can talk about now as opposed to the end of the podcast, even though actually we're getting rid of it one right now. So yay, save some time later. Um, it's that kind of a thing. I don't, I, I hate, and again, I still like these scenes better than what I'm about to reference. That just popped into my head. But this is the kind of thing that made me hate watch The Walking Dead. 
when I yeah. get, I get yeah. the, when, and I'm not talking about season 10, 7, 9, 8. I'm sure. talking about seasons two and right. three sure. early on. When you, when I get, I, and I said to people, it's like, you know what? It's kind of, I might as, it's like watching all my children except there's zombies involved. And not because I'm, I'm not making fun of it because it's a soap opera, because everything's a soap opera. It's because, because the nature of a daytime soap opera, because there's like 250 or whatever number of episodes every year, you're going to get a lot of redundancy. You're going to get the same kind of scenes over and over. That's what they do. They do right. that on Walking Dead, and there's only like 10 or 12 or 13. It's like, I've seen this scene so many times on this show. They just keep repeating themselves over and over. And they don't, I'm not saying they do that on the boys necessarily, but when I got to this scene, I was watching, it's like, again, love these guys. But when I start writing, when I'm taking my notes, I'm like, oh, look, they're sweet again. Uh, okay. And I didn't write that before. And I realized, you know what? Right. It's because I've seen this before with these mm-hmm. two. At least, a few, like you were saying, it goes, sometimes it's, you know, it's one leaning on the other, but sometimes, but some, but it's like, it's been a few times this season. I think it's been a few times in previous seasons. You know, it's not like, progress, move on, please. You know what? Have a season end where they, you know what? They should have the season end where they actually do go to Marseille. Yeah. And then we bring them back the following season for somehow they get, they have to get brought back into it, whatever. Just because if you do, if, if, because if you two don't move forward, then what you're, you're, you're basic. It's like you guys are on a, you're on on an emotional treadmill with each other and you're not going anywhere. And and that would be uh, it would be robbing the viewer of a potentially wonderfully fantastic storyline between these two people. But it's it's robbing the characters uh, as well because we love this partnership. We like the two of them together. We've had lots of scenes that weren't just this thing that we were just talking about, but it keeps coming back to this thing. Um, I don't like to use. I don't want to use something that's just quite as simple as like the, I know how you love this kind of humor, but the, the shit or get off the pot kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But really at this point, that's where we are with them. You either need to leave the group and go find out who each other are away from this job you're doing. Um, Or there needs to be conflict between the two of them, because as much as we love the two of them without that happening, um, the repeat that we're getting is going to stop being interesting really fast, which would be a shame because I just I just love the two of them together. Yeah, right. I'm I'm okay that they're not doing what I normally when it's one of the things you just suggested, and, and it would be the first thing that would occur to me because you cannot have any sort of drama relationship or other if there is no conflict. Otherwise, it just it becomes boring for the viewer. Um, Again, it goes to so that's why why you have soap operas, and other than other than like the older married couple who are like the maybe the the patriarch and matriarch of a family, and either they're nice, yeah. or, either they're rich or middle class or whatever. Everybody else, everyone's constantly breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, because yes. Just, yes. That's, and I'm not saying I want to keep. I, want, no. I need to break up Frenchie and Kamika, but but if they no. if, if there's no. If if it if it feels like we've got it's it's this has been going on for almost three seasons because he had a thing for her when, when, ever since she was in the cage, you know, and, yes. and obviously she's be, and I understand. Let me let me be clear. I do understand that I don't know how much. While I don't know how much time has actually passed on the series at this point, I probably sh- that's one of those things I probably should have looked up. I'm kind of curious now that I think about it. Obviously, Kamiko has has been progressing as a person because. 
again, she was like a feral thing in a cage at one point, and so she's obviously come a long way from that, right. from there. But I feel before this season even started, they were already at a point where, okay, you guys can, you know, have a, a relationship now. Yes, you guys can have a a grown-up conversation about where you are at and where you think things might be heading. Right. So, again, I'm hoping – not that I was planning to talk about things I'm hoping for for season four, but right now I'll say one thing I'm hoping for is like, okay, do something different with Kamiko and Frenchie. Take them to the next level. I don't – you know what? It can be something stupid. It can be something that won't even sound very interesting when I say it, but okay – let them have either you know. Let them go away together somewhere. Let them let them have an actual relationship. Yep. The first, because yep. quite frankly, unlike say what we because we know they've done it with Huey, we know it with Butcher. It's like, and I hate to bring it down to this level, but I am kind of intrigued. Like, I wonder what the first time sex between these two is going to be like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I I don't know she. Perhaps she's never had sex before. I don't know, uh, and you know, it, it's it, again. I don't want to break, make it about that. It's not about that. I mean, like I said, it's just that there are there are so many layers to both of these characters that are worth like digging into, especially uh, as, in a relationship together. That I we've had enough of the like standstill at this point. Yep. Um, and either, like you said, they need to go away together. Or one of them needs to be separated from the other one, right. or they just need to have like just a regular human realization, and and it doesn't the whole storyline doesn't have to go deep, but there's just got to be something there that spins it up just a yeah, little. Yeah, just just do something. Thank you. I, I agree. You know, maybe 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 something. Maybe he gets snatched and she spends season four looking for him because he got sweat. yes he got taken by little Nina or something. So there's a there's a quest yep. involved, and then you get like a and that and that would have been the time for him to actually have a. a a damn kiss, but they already did that lame kiss in the hospital. All right, let me get back to the episode. Oh. Um, so Annie, Annie is worried about the thousands who could possibly be killed in the vault building if, or and when the Soldier Boy attacks, because um, they, even though they don't know what he's going to do now that he knows that he's biologically Homelander's father, and quite frankly, at this point in the episode, I don't think anyone knows what he's going to do. For sure, because every time Butcher yeah. brings it up, I notice he never answers him. But uh, but back back to Annie and Huey and all of them, because Huey's all about making sure they save everyone, even those who don't deserve it, like Butcher. Um, so talk about having a, a big heart yes. capacity. Despite everything that Butcher has done, he still believes there's something good in him. He he's actually reading the fact that Butcher punched him out as that's a sign that Butcher's a good person. Even though Butcher could have just told you like ten minutes earlier, oh yeah, you shouldn't take the V, it's gonna kill you. <laughs> so it's it's like Huey, do you hear what you're saying? All right. But it's kinda of, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because uh Huey is right in the sense that yeah, there's re- there's redeeming qualities to Butcher. There, he's there not wrong. He's is. not wrong at all. Um how Butcher uh the methods to his madness aren't always the most savory, but at the end of the day, he's, I don't know, like, I'm not a, as good a person as Annie because I forget that there's thousands of other people in this tower that maybe should be saved before they just go blow things up, you know? Um, which is one of the things that I love about her because that is an actual hero. And how easy is it when you are wanting to be entertained to forget the responsibility of all these other people? 
people in the tower. Um, and, and Huey is such a good counterpart with her because he's like, yeah, but there's this other guy too. And because here's the reality, this group of people would not be together to do this, to try to make things right. If not for butcher, this is correct. This is correct. Speaking of butcher, we zip back to him and soldier boy. This is the part where we get a little bit of insight into soldier boy and his origins, his backstory, if you will. And we learn, uh, that, Perhaps he didn't have quite the abusive and violent uh, father-son relationship that Butcher had. Still had kind of a shitty one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very different. You know, kind of like, you know, Butcher. I think Butcher's upbringing and, and how bad it was was kind of in that lower, lower middle class kind of world. And his was from a, a more uppity uh, state of, yeah. of uh, yep. society because, um, you know, had went to boarding school or whatever. And basically what it comes down to, um, Butcher had the life where he would get a smack upside the head, um, but Soldier Boy's life was more his dad would just be perpetually disappointed in him, even to the point that after he became a superhero, his father was just like, just thought he took a shortcut. And was just disappointed in him once again. And the reason I say that is because it makes a certain yes. line that comes later. Uh, yes. Uh, hit so nicely. Brutal. <laughs> now, can I, can I say, the whole time we're hearing Soldier Boy relate the stories about his growing up and the boarding school and then how he volunteered and the whole thing, and, he, and the whole thing is because he wanted to make his father proud of him and the way his father once again said he was disappointed in him and he took a shortcut, whatever. I was waiting the whole story for it to finally culminate in him dropping a line about killing his father. And, and I was like, oh, he didn't kill him? I, I was so sure that's where we were going with that story. I yeah, was, it just, I was waiting it just for it. felt like the right direction. Yeah, it, 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 felt, it felt right. And I, I love that. Now, I don't know. It's funny that this scene could have been, that they could have done it in a way where these two bond. They they I noticed they did not do that. Yes. They did yeah, not do that. It's and it's weird, right? Because there are there are just so many uh character similarities. Oh yeah, and it's you know, it's the classic, you know, we've we can we can talk about every T V show that's had this till you know, the cows come home because, you know, even cowboys have daddy issues. because um, these two certainly have daddy issues. But you think the fact that even though they're from different walks <clears> of life, that that would still fuse these two together. It's never done that way. It's be, and it's because neither one of these two are inclined to be that way towards another person. Right. They, yep. they, they're just not. And I love the fact that I mentioned it before, so but I noticed it here because this would have been the moment. Because after this, you know, after these, uh, I don't know, revelations or whatever you want to call them, or at least you know, just saying something, per, you know, personal about yourself, things that many others don't know. Still, it's not clear. If he's actually going to go along with the deal that Butcher that he made with Butcher, and I get going, it's, it's very interesting. I, I'm really loving the fact that uh, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to at this point in the episode? Like, wait, is he going to work with Homelander? He did make that phone call. What? what what's what? I'm, I'm so confused. Well, right, because it's like when he. One of my big takeaways from him making that phone call was like, I don't know. I originally thought like, oh, he's going to. He's going behind their back. Yes. 
Because thought- it wasn't until this episode that we saw that they knew that he had made that phone call. So I was like, oh, some double crossing, but no. Also because in, in reality, he could be like, okay, so what have you guys done exactly? Oh, you helped me track down a couple people. And actually, when it, took, when it comes right down to it, there's only how many people did it really... <laughs> okay, the twins, the hero gasm thing, and uh, Mindstorm. Because... Really be, yeah, and let's be honest, like, none of them were, like, a really big threat or really elusive. It wouldn't have been that hard for him to figure it out. Right. Mindstorm was the hard one. Mindstorm right. was the hard one. That took that took, that, there, that, yes. that, that took detective work with the tracking down the lithium right. and so on. Right. Um, I think the twins, considering that's where hero gasm was happening, something tells me he might have found out where they were. Might have done that. So, but there was that other member, and we should get back to him because that would be Black Noir. We have that. We go back to the scene between him and Homelander. Um, Black Noir sharpening his blade, albeit rather pointlessly, uh, and. That's where you know you have that conversation between Homelander and Black Noir, which we know up until this episode we figured would just consist of Homelander saying things and well, nothing being reciprocated, but now we have the right. writing things on the pad and just in big block letters like bad, whatever. <laughs> because he starts asking him things about his days with Soldier Boy when they were on that same team, uh, payback. Which eventually leads to Homelander dropping the little bomb about uh, the fact that Soldier Boy is his father. And he kind of wants to know if Black Noir kind of knew about it. Kind of had something to do with, you know, the whole, this whole issue that happened between that and the other thing. And Black Noir basically indicates yes. Yeah. Yeah, he knew. And... When he did that, I'm watching the scene and I'm going, Oh no, wait a minute. And I remember in my like, they're not gonna, they wouldn't, they wouldn't. And he goes in for the embrace. And right when he even did the embrace, I was like, Oh no, oh no, no. <laughs> and oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah. that was a little shocking. Yeah. That was- and, um, can I, I don't, maybe you've already figured this out and maybe it was just like a big moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was like, you know, newsflash, like I can see you. I, his facial expressions, I can see your, you know, your, your, mm-hmm. when he talked about the way his face was all messed up and I can see your facial expressions and it never occurred to me that he could see him. Right. And, and I don't think it even occurred to, to, to noir that he could see him. Uh, it didn't occur to me until he said it. And once, yeah. and once he said and it, then I was I like, was like, oh, oh shit. I never thought about that. <laughs> that's, it, that's pretty terrifying actually, because that means that he was gather. He could read him for years because everybody else was trying to give him fake expressions, right? Like they're right. faking something to him. But noir always had the comfort of being behind a mask that apparently he could see through. Right. Although, considering what's left of Black Noir's face, I'm not sure how much, exp- how much expressive yeah. ability he really has. Especially if you're going with the animated version of his accident. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, although, from what we, the, what the, <laughs> I think uh, we, we, did, we did see a brief moment of him, the live action version in the Nicaragua scene where it looked like his face yes. had been blown off. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 
it's almost shameful for me because it was when he says that I I remember going, oh yeah, I keep how how do I I don't want to say of all people, but at least on this podcast of all people, I I've mentioned a bit, we all know and I've said it a billion trillion zillion times Homelander is supposed to be this weird sociopathic version of Superman. Superman who has X ray vision and I keep forgetting. Well, what is Superman's big powers is X ray vision. Yep. Of, you know, because and I love and they just take special time not to use certain phrases. It's kind of like again, it's like Walking Dead never seen the word zombie, which is ridiculous. Right. Um, so on this show, everyone with the laser eyes, laser eyes, laser, it's like no one says heat vision. It's heat vision. We all yes, yes. It, this, we've been calling it heat vision since the nineteen. Did he have it in the nineteen forties? I don't remember. Let's see, fifties, uh, I think. Anyway, it, it's been a long time. <laughs> and the other thing, but the other thing he has is like he's got he's got heat vision. He's got telescopic vision, um, and we assume he had that Homelander must have that because he, if he can hear things from you know a mile away, he can probably he can see things from a mile away too. I'm sure. But the big one that we always know it's him is he's got fucking X-ray vision. Yes, and and when and, and I know this is purposeful. Like when they when when they drop this and when he said I I I can see you. Yeah. Um. Just be again because Noir doesn't have a voice. Uh, that gave us the viewer this moment to just, oh my God, he was watching me the whole time. Right. You oh. know, and, and the fear in your gut. Like, if you know who Homelander is, and obviously Noir does, you, you, you know, like for lack of better terms, you just, you know, you're fucked. And it's, and, and it's, the, and it's one of the simplest phrases that can have the deepest meaning, and it's been used on another show. Um, I think it might be might be the old man actually recently where when you say i see you to somebody mm-hmm. it's not yep. simply literally it's also figuratively yes and, and, and both can have that kind of effect and someone like blackmore both ways will have an effect on it. yep the fact yep. you can literally he's the one person who actually can see your face and also i see you as mm-hmm. in i see you for what you actually are and which is which is what actually leads to him basically Literally, I love using it correctly. <laughs> ripping out his guts, ripping his guts oh, out, and then and then the, and then the and then the little animated friends are all around him. It's so, oh, it's. But they're there for him. Yeah. They're there for him. Now, I, I should also mention, since this is the moment where he dies, whatever. Um, I did actually read earlier today. Um, Eric Kripke, the. Uh, the main power force behind this show, other than your Rogans and whatever, but he's the main guy. Um, also from Supernatural, is how he brought in uh, uh, Jensen yes. Ackles or whatever. He has said that the, the next season they will be bringing back Blackmore. Um, they can even use the same actor. But it's going to be a different person behind the mask, you know, because someone else is sure. taking... It's going to be the idea is that they're going to play with the idea of someone else taking up the mantle of Blackmore. Who? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you look, at, if you want to look at the, the the spectacle of the seven and what it means publicly as a public figure, you're gonna have. You can't go around saying, "Oh, I killed that guy." Well, I mean, maybe Homelander could by the end of this episode, but you you can't go around. You, you can just put somebody else in the suit. No, they're gonna put someone else in the suit, and it'll be interesting because someone else. Now, the, uh, I I love the idea, the speculation of it. Like, okay, will it be someone who just will when when he's in public will. Will not talk, or will it be someone? Because he mentioned about the whole. Because Eric Kripke was talking about the, him not talking; they won't talk, right, whatever. Right. It's like, oh, will it be someone who's not able to talk? Or will they just decide not to talk, or will they not talk in public? I'm, I'm fascinated to see what they'll sure. do there. I, a, and, it, and they said 
they'll 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 use the same the same actor will pl- will, will play the part again because <laughs> that's where the mask comes in handy. So that's great. So good for him. Like anyway, so one other one other just real quick thing about Homelander in this scene too is that we just banked off of a scene where we find out that Soldier Boy always wanted to be a dad because he knew he could do a better job than his father did. Mm-hmm. And then we jump into a scene with Homelander where he basically expresses that he's always wanted to have a dad. Gotcha. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Good. Con- I see the connection there. there. I mean, obviously. Gee, what's the connection? Okay, <laughs> that works. I, uh, bu- you know, it's 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 build it's building it's building the bridge to that later scene. So now we're, yes, we see how we're, we're get, we see how we're getting there. It's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. So everyone <laughs> converges at uh, the Flatiron Building, aka you know, block away from where I used to work, and that's where it's, at one point Maeve gets in the way of Annie's plans. And everybody ends up going in the safe. Everybody that is, except, you know, Butcher, Soldier Boy, Maeve, whatever. And we get one of the best lines that Frenchie will ever hope to deliver, which is, my cake hole will remain open. <laughs> yeah, Frenchie showing a spine where Butcher is concerned was, was a nice change of pace. And, of course, we'll see that more um, for the rest of the episode as well. Um I'm very interested. I'm very intrigued to what the, uh, how this team will be in season four. Of course, that might last a whole 10 minutes into the episode. Who knows? <laughs> Back at the tower, you have folks, uh, listening to Annie's recorded phone call. It's the deep. It's Ashley. It's the yes. A train or is it the eight? No, it's just a train. Um, and they're thinking, eh, you know what? Maybe, guess what, guys? Maybe we should evacuate the building. <laughs> and then Homelander comes in and is like, nope. <laughs> and of course he comes in and he's carrying Noir's helmet. So I guess he went back and yanked off his helmet. Or I'm not, not clear on how that happened, but right. whatever. Um, it's interesting, the sight of the helmet. Now, obviously all three of them react to it. Yeah. Ashley is the most horrified looking. Although I did in my mind I was thinking, you know, it's interesting. You'd think it would be the other two soups who'd be more horrified because he just killed one of you, and that was the one that we thought he was closest to, unlike right. the two of you, who he clearly doesn't care for. Yeah. As he goes on to say in this scene where Homelander basically dresses them down. And this is where I was saying, uh, you know, um, earlier when I wanted to amend what I said about Maeve, no, Maeve is nastier. Homelander is meaner. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and that's where we're connecting to what we were talking about before with the whole family thing. He talked, he talked about, he, he thought that maybe by having, being able to cr- put together and have his own team, they would become his family and look what he ended up with. <laughs> you know, and because we, it's not like we've seen a great deal of respect in any of the earlier scenes between him and the seven, except for where Black Noir was involved. That was the only, to my recollection, that was the only one really, yep. other than yep. the fact he had he had had he had a one time relationship with with Maeve, and we saw how, we see how that went, whatever. So then he, he goes to each, he, he does something with each one of them. With 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 the deep, he ends up whispering something to him, which apparently, according to Deep's reaction, would be something treasonous if he does it. And we'll find, and we see what that is just a few minutes later. He out and out humiliates Ashley, 
Mm-hmm. And this is the unexpected moment for some of us. Talk about having the handiness of having X-ray vision, perhaps. Um, he, I, 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 I wrote that he demands, but he doesn't demand. But him telling her to do something, it, it, it is a demand. Demands that she takes off that wig, and that's when she reveals that she's pretty much yanked out most of her own hair. That's a freaky moment. And it really, and then when you see the things that she does, you know, we did the sorry to Maeve, her reactions to everything and what she does at the very end, it makes a lot more sense than it would have in any previous season. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And it is, it is, it might be the only time I actually went, oh man, poor Ashley. The only yeah. time. The only yeah. time. It goes away later. <laughs> It goes away when people are, are evacuated. <laughs> Just when you think you're ready to root for her. <laughs> that's, I love that moment. No, the, is it, what it was like the, the, the chopper is for, for senior VPs and, and above or something? Sorry, like Ashley. <laughs> wait, are they both named Ashley? I'm very confused. Yes, yes, they are. They are. Okay, I thought so. I, I'm like, wait, isn't she? Oh, wow, that's really, that's, that's so narcissistic. Oh, wow. <laughs> And he also, uh, and, and, and thirdly, he, um, this is one I got a little confused on. I guess he scolds A-Train for killing one of their own, you know, I guess Blue Hawk, whatever. And he said something to along the lines that uh, I, I guess at some point in the near future, he has to step up and say that they're the only true justice or something like that. I don't know exactly, but you could, this is one of those things that you can really see the look on A-Train's face that he's not thrilled with this. Um, yeah, but like, also, can we just talk about that's some nerve? <laughs> He's literally sitting there holding the helmet of a team maker whose guts he just ripped out and like, rah, 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 you know, okay. It's A Train, but you know, talk about an irritating boss. And let's not forget, he also killed, and also the, the soup that he killed was a black man. So yeah, the, yeah, oh, what the F, man? Throw that in the mix as well. And then, and then, and then to go along with that, because the, the, the you know, his, his, uh, Homelander's brain must be like a fucking nest of buzzing bees or something. Um, he then goes on to tell them that Black Noir was worth more, more than all of them. <laughs> and he just killed that guy. <laughs> so. Yeah, that is a tough one. That, that's a tough one. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that on your, uh, your job performance review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So then we cut to finding out just what would have been so treasonous. Um, it turns out it's the deep murdering this dude who I believe is the VP candidate, Lamar Bishop. I love that I was trying to – originally I was trying to yes. look up Lamar Bishop on Google, and Google refused to recognize the name Lamar Bishop. It kept making it um, – Lamont Bishop, who's a character that Mike Coulter played um, on The Good Wife. Mike Coulter is now on Evil. Um, he's Luke Cage also. Uh, I got, so I ended, up, I ended up spending like 10 minutes reading about him instead. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I love that character. Man. It's like, oh, I missed The Good Wife. Oh, man. Uh, the Good Fight's okay, but I like Good Wife. Oh wait, I'm, so, I'm, I'm writing notes about the boys. Fuck. Um, yeah, but, but once I did realize who he was, that he was the actual uh, current VP candidate, Look, I, I again, I'm not Mr. Oh, I call that. I call that. Although sometimes I guess I do do that. But I'll tell you right now, and maybe you did too. I knew once I realized who he was, like, oh, quid pro quo. I get it. Yep. It's from Newman. Yep. It's got to be what it is. Nothing makes any sense otherwise. Scratching backs, man. We are scratching backs. So when, when that 
when that little moment happened towards the end of the episode, that was one of the, yeah, that's not a surprise. That's, that's, no. not, okay. Kind of saw that coming. Anyway, back at the, back at the, back at the Flatiron building, and he busts them out of the safe. I know some people call it the safe room, but no, it's literally a safe. It's uh, a safe. <laughs> but she busts them out, so I guess she had a little residual strength left in her. I guess, you know, maybe, maybe some, maybe there was a nightlight on in there and she sucked up. I don't know. Um, and then they, and then they make a plan. And I love a plan that sounds insane and impossible from the get-go. <laughs> I, love a, I love crazy plans. I was like, what are the odds this is going to work? It's not going to work. Yeah, a little crazy plan, a good soundtrack behind you. Yeah, Go for it. Exactly. And the plan is that Frenchie is going to make use of those labs at Vought to come up with that neurotoxin that could put Soldier Boy on ice. You know, because all the right ingredients are there, blah, 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 blah. But all the others have to do is simply hold off both Soldier Boy and Homelander while that's happening. Sure, no problem. Yeah. Keep the... You know, Keep the two most powerful beings on the planet, as far as we know so far, until they introduce, you know, a boy's version of the Hulk or something, which I'm yeah. not sure is going to happen next season. Who knows? Yeah. Easy peasy. No problem. No worries. And of course, meanwhile, when everyone's zipping out of there, we see that Huey finds a vial of that temporary V and he pockets that and you're going, oh, no, don't do it, Huey. Don't do it, Huey. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us to the bi- all the big stuff, which is nice and easy to talk about because I don't need to go into. The good thing about recapping this stuff, I don't have to do blow by blow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big confrontation, conversation, whatever you want to call it, between Homelander and Soldier Boy. You know, you got Butcher, you got Maeve there, but the big thing is Homelander tries to introduce Ryan to his grandpa. Yes. The grandpa don't yes. give a fuck. <laughs> He doesn't give two shits. You don't care about the spawn of the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be using one word I never use, but I can't can't recount the scene without the word. And this is why this is an explicit podcast. You don't care about the son of a weak pussy that he begat, <laughs> who like his father <laughs> before begat. him. Yeah. I, I, by the way, whenever I have the opportunity to use the phrase "begat," I will. <laughs> I will use it. I will fully encourage it. I might be the only person who uses it at this point. It's not like writing like new versions of the Bible or something. But yeah. <laughs> um, and like I was saying, Soldier Boy, like his father before him, he's very disappointed in <laughs> his son. Yes, he is. And that is when the fighting begins and when, you know, he's whatever. And during the initial – sorry – you're you're fine. It's that starved for attention part of the line that like oh that, there's a hook right there. Oh yeah, it's just it's and in a way it's like I I um <laughs> wow I'm gonna sound really bad right now. I'm not gonna say that I totally agree with Soldier Boy. <laughs> But well, I, I mean, he he was dropping his own beats on TV, right? Like, <laughs> but I could kind of see where he was coming from here because it yeah. was yeah it was a hey homelander it's a little much <laughs> yeah little I'm not, i mean like I'm not we being, can't even get a we can't even get a fucking soda cup at wendy's without your face on it it's just you know you know it's just you know i don't know but ryan he sees that his super dad is about to get his ticket punched by Soldier Boy in this in this yeah. moment. He blasts Soldier Boy with his heat vision. That's right, it's heat vision, people. Fucking lasers. Um, Juvenile heat vision, <laughs> ten times more deadly. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Uh, and Soldier Boy quickly recovers from that. He, I, I think he kind of smacks or throws Ryan across the room. Yeah. Gives him the heave-ho. Uh, yeah, which probably, probably, he probably, he's probably heaved a lot of hoes in his time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this suddenly inspires... Old hoes. Old the, ones. Oh, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> Retired hoes. <laughs> Weren't you the one who kissed a sailor in World War II? Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it inspires the unlikely alliance of Butcher and Homelander, even if it's just for a moment, where they, the two of them get together and blast Soldier Boy into the adjoining, I guess it's the Vought News Studios. <laughs> I guess there's no news happening because there's no one there. Um, before they eventually split into separate fights, you got power bo- powered up Butcher taking on Soldier Boy, and that's where Maeve wants to get her pound of flesh and pound the hell out of Homelander. So they go toe-to-toe. Horribly, it does not cost her a toe, however. It does end up costing her an eye. That was bad. Yeah, like, I I just... Man, we got, like, a little L-driver scene that happened there with that eye. We got the scream. It was good. No squished eyeballs. Thankfully, didn't need it. Um, but I knew if she makes it through this, there's going to be an amazing eye patch. Oh, there has to be. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something, it's gotta be Snake Plissken times 10 kind of thing. Yes. Uh, um, I, oh, I'm so happy I didn't have to explain Snake Plissken to you. Good. Uh, I was worried, like, if she doesn't know what Snake Plissken is, I'm kicking her off the fucking podcast. <laughs> um, actually, first thought I had when the, the eye thing was happening, and again, we've seen it, it over time. Every once in a while, someone's gotten an eye gouged out. But for me, the first thing I thought of that comes to my mind, and it's one of, one of the more shocking ones, and that hurt, that really hurt when people saw it. Uh, for for my, any of my fellow fans of Buffy out there, you oh, yes. Buffy fans, you already know what I'm talking about. You, we all know, and it's great. And what makes it even better is because it was everyone's most favorite, likable dude back then played. Uh, a character who might actually be more unlikable and evil than fucking Homelander. That was Caleb, I believe his name was. Um, Nathan Fillion, I'm talking about. When he basically out um, Xander's eye in the final season of mm. Buffy. That was hard to take. I remember watching that. It's like, I remember going, I went, oh my god, no, no, no. Like, oh. <laughs> Xander? Not Xander. You know, pop out one of Willow's eyes. Who cares? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, I love, I love, I love, I love when I do recaps. I can say, <laughs> meanwhile, dot dot dot. Um, Frenchie and Kamiko are in the lab where Frenchie is trying to cook up that neurotoxin, but that's at the point where the guards are attacking them. And then we cue up the song Maniac. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I think we had seen earlier there's a moment where she's watching Flash Dance, so I, I like that yep. it's a callback to that. Although I guess she's going on a musical kick, though. It's like, oh, you, you went, you, I thought you guys you wanted to watch Singing in the Rain next, and you went to Flash Dance? What's wrong with you? Even Xanadu would have been. Anyway, um, <laughs> I say that as someone who's never seen either of those movies. That's right, maybe they'll be on that 80s podcast. Kamiko. Goes ahead and fucking slaughters the guards pretty mercilessly. I mean, <laughs> she doesn't just look. Yes. Oh my god, she went on a rampage. I like. I I looked over at my husband and I said, I am so glad that she's embraced the fact that she's like that she can do this. Like it, there was this. Uh, it wasn't just an overkill for overkill. 
you know, we we were learning that she's embracing that this is where her talents lay. Oh, it's it's unbelievable because, and what I liked about it that you didn't have the usual regret remorse afterwards going along with what you just said, as opposed yes. to other times where she, we've seen her do something where it's like, oh, she's a monster. It's like no, exactly what you said. She's embraced that. Remember, it was her choice to take the V again, to have those yep. powers again, to protect her family. What is she trying to do here is but that. Although, unfortunately, she's not able to protect Frenchie's leg, which takes a bullet to it, I think, during the scene. But, you know, but still, she, that's what she's there do, doing there. Elsewhere, elsewhere in the building. <laughs> Huey. Talking about doing the right thing. He certainly does the right thing on, on a number of counts. He's, Man. he First of all, he evacuates the building, which is the reason they were there to, in the first place. I mean, not the first place, but one of the two reasons they're there is to get everyone the fuck out. He does that. Yes. Yep. Number two, he does not take the V. That, I, I got to say, that impressed me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Never has this show ever done. I mean, there's been emotional moments that I really liked, but there's never been a moment in this show that actually got me a little verklempt, except for this, because it was like flashback to the conversation in the car. Like, holy shit, he knows what real strength is. Oh my God. He's like, he's not taking the V. He's making the right choice. He's he's empowering her. He's allowing her to use her strengths. He and also helping her by endowing her with, yes. with more strength by by switch basically pretty much he's, setting setting every, everything that's suited up to eleven. Come on, he's not level. trying to save her. He's supporting her. Exactly. Exactly. It was just like oh. There it is. There it is. And you, you stepped. You, you know, you totally stepped on my spinal tap joke there. Anyway, um, <laughs> but can we also say, like, when he goes over to the light switch, I love the little, little, like, look on his face where he's all like, "I know what I just did." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because she's in, because she was in the studio, probably pretty much, you know, about to probably take take one to the heart, head and heart from Soldier Boy, but then she kind of knocks him on his ass. Which is what ends up uh, in- initiating him starting his own little tick tick boom thing. <laughs> yes, right. I made a reference to something else I never, yes. I never saw. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so it's a frenzy of activity and things that are happening. And oh, there's Ryan and then the doorway and blah blah blah. And that's where Maeve, Maeve, who the only reason she's here is because she wants to kill Homelander. She's basic. She's ba- she's she's basically butcher butcher with boobs. Um, but she sacrifices herself. At least it appears that she sacrifices herself when she hurls herself at Soldier Boy and they go out the window and then the big boom happens. And you know what? Like, again, another moment that just like kicked me right in the feels because here she is. And it's a moment like she had on the, uh, on the airplane. Right. And instead of just like backing away and letting this happen, she jumped in and she right. was a hero. Like she actually got to be a freaking hero. Right. Right. No, lovely callback. Exactly. Whereas, yeah, you know what? You just said it. I don't need to repeat it. Perfect. Um, see, I can, I can say that. <laughs> yes. 
So, wow, I'm not used to someone actually covering something for me. So I can go to the next thing, which would be back in, back in, back in the studio. Um, <laughs> we have that moment between we have Butcher, Homelander, and Ryan, and then we see that Ryan still chooses his dad, his actual dad, over Butcher. And they leave, and Butcher pretty much shortly collapses afterwards, uh, yes. presumably from having taken the temp V yet again. The rest of the episode kind of, kind of is kind of like tying everything off, at least for the time being. It's kind of like each little storyline, kind of, if not completely wrapping up, at least wrapping up as far as uh, wrapping the season is concerned. You get so we can, we can go off with each one first. You get Butcher is being treated in the hospital. That's where we find out he has maybe 12 to 18 months left to live. So now they, now you can kindly fuck off. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to smoke my cigarette. And, and by the way, so, so, so I was like, so, so mate, that means what I get one, two more seasons of this show. Okay. No problem. Unless, <laughs> no problem. I'm sure. Guess what? There'll be spinoffs too. Anyway, so with all this family stuff, we then zip over to M.M. and his daughter Janine and having that heart-to-heart conversation, you know, about what had happened and what his father and grandfather did and, and what he's been trying to do. And it's a great moment because it shows that Frenchie knew what he was talking about. Yep. Because Janine believes that her dad is her hero after all. That was kind of, oh, oh, good for you. Good for you, Mother's Milk. You're, you're still probably going to be an OCD cuckoo, but, you know, I just love that, maybe. Or maybe not. No, we'll see. <laughs> more importantly, actually, I thought you shouldn't say it that way. Not more importantly. On a different wavelength, we go to Annie, and she see we see that Maeve survived. Yes. She, she survived. And she looked like shit. <laughs> she looks like shit. <laughs> they talk about her. Maybe wants to get a really cool eye patch. Or wait, she's she says, "Oh, should, should she get a, a a fancy glass eye or an eye patch?" And she was like, "Totally get the eye patch." Yeah, I personally would have said both. But that's just me. It would have got maybe a little. The, the eye should have had like a little laser in it. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing that you know I had forgotten, and we shouldn't have because it happened with Kamiko earlier in the season. Yep. Is that by being in proximity to his blast, she's powerless. She lost her. She is powerless, but by her heroic move, she completely freed herself. Yes. And we see that her. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that her on again, yes. off again partner from what we had seen in the previous season? Okay. Yes, yes. That is her girlfriend that she had to keep trying to hide from Homelander. Uh, yes. So we know that they're going to try to remain off the grid, and probably they will, because there are TV reports saying, you know, millions more in the loss of Maeve, whatever. And She was a powerful lesbian. <laughs> and hopefully Homelander doesn't have his super hearing on all the time, whatever. And whether she knows it or not, she actually gets a little unexpected help from Ashley, Yes. We do see that moment of Ashley seeing that there's actually existing footage, security footage, whatever, CCTV from maybe a nearby location probably, that captured Maeve surviving the blast and being helped away, helped into a car or a truck by the boys. So Ashley does a good thing. She deletes the file. Yes. So that's 
That's finally one. There's finally one. There's one good thing on Ashley's ledger after all this time. Uh, we also zip over and we see Grace is overseeing the body of an unconscious soldier boy that's being slid into a chamber, undoubtedly similar to what the Russians had him in. Right. So by doing that, since you didn't kill off the character, that means there is always a potential to bring Soldier Boy back should they ever choose to do that. So that's, I guess it's kind of why you do it that way. Um, Whether we should be satisfied that this is the entire Soldier Boy storyline or not, I'm of two minds of it. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I really kind of got had a lot of fun with Jensen Ackles' performance and the nature of this character. So there's the, there's the part of me that would like to have seen more of that. However, again, the flip side of that would be a little that might go a long way. And I don't know if, if right. after a while I've been like, yeah, I think I've had enough of this. And right. I don't know if there's as much to explore. But you don't, but again, and that's, that's where writing comes in and you, and, and people come up with stuff because there might be a school of thought. It's like, Hey, are we going to be focusing on Homelander for yet another season? And like, yeah, that's kind of the nature of the show. But maybe if you had soldier boy still in the mix, then you might have a different bad to deal with. I don't know. I'm okay with how that got resolved. I think this is part of the, one of the things that maybe some people were like, and the whole, how the whole soldier boy thing got resolved overall was like, are how happy they were like they're not they didn't hate it they were kind of like oh okay all right i guess that's good i mean it was good for the mave character storyline but was it good for the soldier boy storyline i don't know that it was i felt like he he's you know he's he's woken up he finds out that they all that when him being taken by the russians was actually a plot by vaught and his entire team so he wants to get Revenge on his team, and he pretty much. I mean, correct me. Isn't everyone actually because he did? He never got because Homelander took care of Black Noir for him. Essentially, the entire team is dead now, right? I don't think anyone's alive yeah, from it. He he got vengeance on all of them, but there's but, one person yes. that we have not. Yeah, that we haven't. And that is connected. one of my big. And that is one of my big prop. That that will go. I'll just say it now. Damn it. <laughs> that might be one of my bigger problems with the season overall, if I'm going to have any real problems with it, is, it, I mean, I, I think we're talking about the same person, the same thing. Are we talking about Stan, Stan Edgar? I'm talking, yes. I'm talking about Stan. Yes. Okay. I'm a little annoyed that, okay, she did this thing and she flipped it, and Newman flipped it on him, and it looked, and all, all of a sudden, that's it. He's just removed from Vaught, and uh, we never see or hear from him again, which I didn't, I didn't believe that. First of all, even in this, obviously, it's not reality. It's not. It's not, it's not even. It's not even the better, better, better call Saul or whatever. It's this comic book fantasy weirdo, bizarro world, whatever. But I still kept thinking, what this character has done and the power he's held, and they, then he's just going to just. That's it. Yeah. I, I had a hard time believing that, and I felt there was kind of a hole in the show as a result. And I kept thinking, wait, he's going after everybody, but that's the one who's behind it all, and it's never even touched on. Yep, but you know what? 
I think that's why Soldier Boy is still alive, and right. I think that's where we're going to go with next season. Okay. But you know what? You could be right about that. So let's see what else we got. We got a couple more things I want to get into at the end of this episode. Deep. The Deep. The Deep. The Deep. The Deep, the deep is watching his wife, or I guess his ex-wife, or about to be ex. She's on some talk show, and I guess she's doing some sort of book tour expose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> about her life with him. Okay, uh, you know, honestly, I, they're like, oh, that's cute, I don't care. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, especially after what happened in the news uh, recently, um, and you probably have no idea where I'm going with this, it's the painting that he has. Yes! He has this painting on the wall in his home, his apartment, his whatever the hell it is. His, um, it's a, this he has weird, a loft, let's be honest. Like, this is the deep, he lives in a loft. It's this weird painting of him... With Homelander. Mm-hmm. A painting that you know that Homelander never posed for this painting. No. <laughs> this was something that was manufactured for the deep, showing his rather weird affection love for the guy, uh, just in a weird, 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 weird way. Yes, and, like he's guarding him or something. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of, the first thing I thought of when I saw the painting there it reminded me of something from The Sopranos. It reminded me of this. If you're, for all the people who are Sopranos fans, you, are, you already know what I'm talking about. For those of you who aren't, and other than Dan, who's never seen it, I think that's, that I think everyone else has seen it. Um, it's not really a spoiler anyway, so I'll just talk about it. The famous thing that happened on The Sopranos where there was a painting done. The painting of Tony, Tony Soprano, on a horse. And at one point, the painting is done so that Tony looks like he's Napoleon on the horse. Tony does not care for the painting. <laughs> he wants to get rid of the painting. <laughs> but Paulie, one of his lieutenants, Paulie Walnuts, he, he's like, hey, Tino, you know, you've really done the painting. So even though it's supposed to have been thrown away, we see later that Paulie has the painting. He, he's got it hanging in his apartment, which is kind of weird. By the way, also, I'm also saying this by a way of saying Tony Sirico actually passed away the other day. Yes. Uh, the actor who played Paulie Walnuts, you know, rest in peace. He was, uh, the news here re- referenced him being from a couple of places in Brooklyn, including Bensonhurst. I was like, he was also from Bay Ridge because I know where he was. I think it's, unless his mom or grandma lived over here. And it was a weird thing. I remember when I first lived around, when I first moved where I am now, uh, uh, the new, the, 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 the the second apartment I lived in Bay Ridge in 2003, 2004 when I moved here. And I, there was, it used to be a bakery two blocks from me. It's, it's long gone now. It was very surreal. I went into the bakery and the wall behind the uh, counter, totally blank, except for one picture, dead center. And, <laughs> because, and it was a picture of, Tony Sirico, you know, sign, you know, you know, probably some, I don't know if, you, I don't remember if there was a comment on it about like the black and white cookies or whatever. I don't know, but it's definitely a sign photo. And that's the one thing they had in that place. And I remember going, I remember because, you know, everyone will see this like, Hey, Paulie, that's great. Whatever. Um, not the weirdest thing I ever saw on the wall in this neighborhood. The weirdest thing, the thing that I, as I said, you have to tell me the story. 
There has to be a story because that is literally the weirdest thing I've ever seen as far as a photo <laughs> up in, in any business establishment. First of all, when you usually see photo, I don't really see it very often. Let's be honest. It seems to be more of a thing they used to do way back in the day. And then they joked about it on a Seinfeld episode once, whatever. The whole thing with celebrities giving uh, either taking a picture and they put it up on the wall yeah. or something like that. Or maybe they'll have a publicity photo. So back, back when I had a cat. Um, so one of the pet food supply stores that I would go to in the neighborhood. So I'm, I'm in there one time and I'm at the counter and I'm buying, you know, they're ringing up, they're ringing me up and I look and on the wall, like a little snapshot. One of the things, there's a couple of snapshots, but one of the ones I see, um, you know, posing with uh, the people behind the counter, it's Steven Seagal, Steven Seagal. <laughs> and I just like, wait, what? <laughs> This is, and, and I can't mean whatever. There was a whole stupid story. I don't, I'm not going to recount the whole thing. I've already taken up enough time on the podcast. Other than there is nothing more weird than like seeing a celebrity photo of Steven Seagal in a pet food place. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a diner or not a restaurant. A not a match. Not or, a match I'd make. Or even a like dry Betty cleaner. White. Betty White, sure. Not Steven Seagal. Yeah. Very, very, very strange. Very strange. Anyway. And you wonder why these pod, this podcast is two hours. But you know what? That, that was, you know what? That was good shit. So I don't, I don't apologize for it. So we only have uh, a couple of things left in the episode. Annie, Annie disposes of that stupid starlight outfit once and for all. Yes. Uh, but by the way, that's the laundry chute, which is basically just going to be a hole in the basement. And all I kept thinking was, um, Good for you because that was one shittily designed superhero outfit if I've ever seen one. It was just like there's nothing memorable about it. Just a oh, horrible design. Horrible. It is. Horrible. It is. It, it wasn't a good design. It was ugly. But I think that the more important thing to note here is again, she didn't throw it into like you know a blazing fire. She threw it into a laundry chute that's gonna go down to the basement of this building and some like weird person is going to pick this up and we're going to see them wearing it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you on this because I don't necessarily think that's a laundry chute. Do you think it's like a compactor, like a trash compactor? Well, Aren't they like in a in, kind of an abandoned building though? Okay. They're in the flat iron building. Okay. Okay. The flat iron building is like one of the most famous buildings in the world. So it's, you know, it's a, so I think they're, so think of them. It's like they're in the empire state building. Because it's, gotcha, uh, gotcha. it's on that okay. kind of level. So that's number one. Number two, um, all buildings, I'm sure it's not just, an, it's not simply just New York. I'm sure most urban areas, whatever cities, apartment buildings, whatever you want. Those are, now those used to, those used to be incinerators. When you put something down that chute, right, it goes down sure. to an incinerator. Yes. Um, in recent years, they've kind of all been, none of them are, I think almost, I don't think any of them are incinerators anymore. I'm pretty sure about that. They are, however, they're all, garbage chutes or or and or recycling chutes like my best friends who, who i believe will listen to this podcast eventually because i think they watch the boys they can attest because it's, it's on the same floor with them um you know you leave their apartment and they got to get rid of stuff it's the same kind of thing you open that thing and you drop it down and i think it's for recycling so that downstairs there's like a big bin with the with the plastic bag already there and the stuff just tumbles right into it so she is so i do believe it is it's garbage i don't I don't think there's any do you think laundry chutes. Like, do you think it's going to be like compacted? I mean, like I don't know. I, I, I'm just 
I'm think saying, someone like, else is if, gonna. I think. I think this. I, I think someone else might end up wearing it. I think someone else might find it in yeah, the trash. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Yeah. I'm just saying. You know, know, you see this. You see one of the soups costumes. Like, come on, man. Like, who isn't gonna take that and try to pawn it at least? Oh yeah. Well, they. But then again, they might just assume it's just you know. There, are, you, there could be a costume that's not necessarily a soups costume. It could just be you know, something that they picked up from a costume. Well, store. you're right because yeah. the especially, quality of the costume in, is not like top notch. It's more like yeah. Halloween store, right? So, yeah. well, you also got you also got to realize in places like you know L.A. and New York specifically, we got a lot of morons who dress up as superheroes in in like in that's Times Square and things like that. That's a fact. Yeah, you know, that and Elmo. Um, but more- uh, also, by the way, shout out to uh, my hometown of St. Cloud. You know who. I'm I'm talking about when I talk about people dressing up like superheroes. There you go. So she is accepted as one of the boys now, which is probably a bigger deal, especially. And there's yes. a concern. There's the initial concern that Butcher might not like it, but I don't think he'd feel that way, and he doesn't seem to, because I think he's in the doorway uh, hearing all this, whatever. Yes, okay. with his with his uh, you know his Wendy's cup with Homelander's face on it, as that's I right. mentioned earlier. Right. I'm so thirsty right now. Um, <laughs> that's, oh, by the way, if you think I'm rushing to the rest of the podcast, it's because I finished my beverage and I'm dying of thirst right now. Uh, we all, and that's why my voice is starting to get like this. We also see the thing that we said earlier. Yep, Newman is going to be VP on the ticket with the, the, the Jim Beaver character. Uh, Bob Singer, Bob Singer. Yes. Uh, but, you know, no, no shock there. We all kind of knew that. And yep. finally, we get to the ending. Hey, the ending, the ending of this podcast. No, the ending of the episode. We're back to, I guess they're at, he's at a rally, more protesters and whatnot. I'm not sure. Um, Homelander touches down to talk to his people, the true patriots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that's I, I. I just want I want them to like hug a flag at that point. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I like. Yeah, wait. It's this cape. You can hug this cape. There you um, go. And that is where he introduces his son. And by introducing a son to them, he's basically introducing his son to the world. Yes. Kind of a big deal. And 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 Ryan comes down flying down as well. So you know you see that Ryan's becoming more accustomed to using his abilities at this point. Now, these people, there were members of the rally, but there is a protester there who screams something along the lines of fascist or whatever. And he throws something. I'm not clear. It might be like an unopened drink or something. He throws something and hits Ryan in the chest. Homelander, no likey. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Homelander flips on his heat vision. That's what it is. And he he basically blasts the guy's head clean off. And newsflash, folks. This isn't imaginary this time. Yeah. So I like the crowd is initially silent because I think they're like, what? And then our favorite dude, the, the, the star of the season, Todd. It's always a guy named Todd. Did you ever notice that? You ever it's always Todd. You know, always, always on any shows you watch, if you bring in someone named Todd, you are like, oh, I hate Todd. Um, yep, yep. Todd is the one who leads them all into cheers and applause for this. And they all start, you know, going bonkers for this. And it's, and first you get Homelander's reaction, realizing, oh shit, wait, it's even okay if I do this now? Mm-hmm. And the worst part, perhaps, it's Ryan. And as I think it might be the closing shot. Ryan. Oh God! Yeah, cue well, the screechy violin music. He kind of eerily smiles. 
Yes, he does. He smiles. And my last note on that episode was, oh, fuck. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, 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 as soon as I clapped, I like straight up, I like clapped my hands together and I was like, that was the best ending. That was the best ending. And anybody who has anything bad to say about it can just shut right the hell up because that was the best ending. I, I, I guess I agree. I, I might not have loved how they got there initially. Yes. Yep. But that being the ending, because of how much of this show was about protecting this kid once they, once he, and, and, and keeping him from him once the, 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 once the truth was revealed and everything else. And despite everything that Butcher tried to do and the government and the this and that, it still came, not government, whatever the hell was behind the grace and all of them. Not only did it not work, the worst case scenario has happened. Yep. Worst case scenario. I mean, it, it, this might be worse than if Ryan had just died. Might be. Yeah. Might be. I, I, yes, because, yes, for all of the reasons that we would be concerned about an adolescent having that kind of power mm-hmm. and having the wrong person supporting that power versus supporting the person. So this is a terrifying notion, and it, as it should be. But in another thing like – I just want to throw out there that that made this ending and literally the last 20 minutes, like with the fight scene with Butcher, all of this. Another thing that I just this episode just cinched it for me is because now we truly, truly have an arch nemesis storyline because we've got Butcher who doesn't have but how many weeks to live. There's no repercussion to him continuing to take the V. He can use those powers. We have Homelander. They've got to go against each other. Ryan stands in the middle. That's their, that's, that's, that's the reason for the fight. And, but with all of this and all of the best villain nemesis stories, anything where you have good and bad and evil and all this, evil always has to have one thing that bonds them to the nemesis not just a person there's got to be one little notion of respect and that respect is that homelander knows that butcher will never hurt ryan Hmm. and thus we've opened up the doors for these two people to go like full front attack to each other are we clear that however I, I don't I don't disagree with almost anything you just said, except are we clear that if he do, if he takes any more of the temporary V that it won't speed up his demise? I'm not clear it on could, that. It 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 could possibly. It makes sense that it could, but are they, are they gonna be, I don't are think Butcher's gonna care. I'm just wondering, are we treating it like, oh, you've been diagnosed with cancer? Why yep. bother quitting smoking now kind of a thing? Which, and I think that's how Blizzard he, would handle And him being a smoker makes it even better. Um, right. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that I Because I hadn't thought of him being able to continue taking it. But that might... I like the fact I don't know. I will, I will go out of my way not to research that before it comes yes. for the next season. Because I, I, I don't want to know. Well, in fact... But I'm sure the first time we see a trailer for that season, we'll know. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean... I, I kind of expressed my reservation, whatever reservations I had about episode slash season while we were talking uh, already. So I won't, don't really, I personally don't need to spend too much time on it now. Um, like I said, 
we already talked about the little Nina stuff. I, I kind of wish if, if, if you were going to, I kind of wish if, if you were going to go there, then go there or don't bother yeah. at all. Yep. Or, or just, or just, or, or, I mean, I get the idea of let's not, I almost understand the idea of like, let's not kill characters off because we could always use them later on for something, which yep. is why you don't kill off little Nina in the scene when Kamiko um, breaks free and kills all, all right. thugs, whatever. But since it doesn't come up again, other than Frenchie using drugs to cope as a coping mechanism, yes. it, it kind of felt like, wait, that was it? Oh, well, so the Stan Edgar thing bothers me more. Um, I, I feel, I mean, again, it could easily be connected to the fact that Giancarlo Esposito is a very busy guy. <laughs> He's on everything. A little bit, and right? And maybe he only had like really very small windows of time he could devote to this before, because we don't know if this is before or after, you know, Better Call Saul, or maybe, who knows, maybe he's in the next Mandalorian season, or he's in this, or he's in that, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I'm glad they got him for the cartoon part of the episode that other <laughs> couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Oh, and maybe maybe he'll show up again. Well, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know this, um, if y'all watch Harley Quinn on HBO Max, it comes back in late July. I don't know if he'll appear in the season at all, but Giancarlo Esposito is the voice of Lex Luthor. It's an amazing oh. choice. It's an amazingly perfect choice for the character. Great. And there's and there's been a long tradition of really great voice actors for Lex Luthor. Clancy Brown is like the definitive Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed. And I almost wish it had been him, but once I but you you only need to hear one sentence like, oh, it's Giancarlo Esposito. Okay, that's interesting. All right, I'll go along with this. He's just basically going to play a bad guy in every single franchise possible. Star Wars, Breaking Bad, yes, DC yes. Comics, <laughs> you know, The Boys. You know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, other than that, other than that, I don't know if there'd be much else I had much in the way of reservations or issues with. I really enjoyed all the Soldier Boy stuff and that how that storyline yep. kind of played out. I said, I. My concern about how it ended, I was like, but part of me was like, is there a way, a different way I would have ended it? I don't think so. I don't know if I want. To. I, I'm glad that you you've left open the possibility for him to return, if they should so want to use him or not. So I'm, right, and that for that situation, it made sense for me and it worked. I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. You know, I just, I guess my frustration more connects to the whole Stan Edgar thing. But as you said, that could be something a plot that gets dropped in. Maybe the next season, or if there's a fifth yep. season, maybe it comes back around to that by by season five. I don't know. I don't know how many seasons they actually plan to do this. They might have announced it, and I missed it. I don't know. I know it's doing very well for Amazon, so I I know they'd like to milk it for as long as they can. Um, and as long as they keep it to eight episodes, and they don't do what some shows do, like wait, let's have like fifteen episodes that don't go anywhere <laughs> for most of the season, but people will keep watching. Um, what show can I mean? Oh yeah, I've talked about it earlier in this podcast, Walking Dead. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, and what we said about French and Kamiko, yeah, we, we, we kind of covered that. I mean, it, it's interesting because they're, I know they're more supporting players compared to say Huey and Annie. Yeah. So, I, so I, 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 so there is part of me that almost thinks it's unfair to compare the two relationships, especially because you know you're dealing with two far less broken people than Frenchie and Kamiko. I mean. Huey and Annie both have individually both have their issues, but I think they're not quite in the same league as Kamiko or even Frenchie to a certain degree. Right. Neither of them have the 
neither of them have the past that is going to haunt them to the level that the other two have. Right. But, but by the same token, but, you know, but these are two that, you know, they've had issues, they've had conflicts, they've been pulled apart, they come back together, whatever. And so far, at least, it's worked. It hasn't made me go, oh, we're going to go through this all over again. It could have. It, I haven't felt that yet. Now, season four, if they, if they do this dance where they're together, oh, they're not together because he's an asshole again. Oh, they're together again. I'm going to, I'm going to call them out. It's like, okay, none of this Tad and Dixie crap, kids. Enough yep. of it. You know, doesn't matter now. Yep. <laughs> I keep referring to all my children. What's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> there are some themes. There's some thick themes running tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, rest in peace. David Canary has years ago. He died. Anyway, um, how about, I mean, I've said a lot. I mean, is there anything that occurs to you as far as, I mean, because I, I think you were pretty positive about the whole season, as you should be. I, I'm, I'm only, I'm, by me pointing out any problems, I am also at the same time saying I really loved everything else, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Even, I mean, you, it's, this isn't like it's the first season, right? We know going into it, we know to what level of silliness and absurdities that that this show will go. And we weren't let down. We and we weren't uh, overdone on either of those things. Uh, some of the writing, we really got some really emotional, great uh, tie-ins to our first season. Overall, I cannot find any serious complaint that I could stick to a wall. All right. So, basically, short story long, big thumbs up from both of us, and thumbs down on those who said otherwise. No, I'm just kidding. Wait, are they both going to listen? Screw both of you. I don't care. Anyway, (laughs) they might not like that I said that, but the rest of you, if you enjoyed this podcast, that's right, look how I segued there. Guess what? You'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page and join the conversation about shows like The Boys, Better Call Saul, and so many others. Where can you find the podcast? Well, obviously, you're already listening to us, but where can you find it other times? (laughs) (laughs) You can find it in places like Spotify or Amazon Music or uh, Apple Podcasts. Always Wow, the first one. I always want to say iTunes, but no one calls it iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts, whatever. It's the same fucking place, and you can actually rate and review us. Oh, by the way, I love all these people who think they have uh, bigger deals in their podcast. I looked, and we get we get more rating reviews than they do. So fuck you. Hey, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not really kidding. He's um, not really kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but better still, you can find not just this podcast, but all 350 fucking two of our podcasts at stvdpodcast.com. Podbean, P O D B E E A N. Did I spell that right? Whatever. Dot com. Oh my gosh. Follow us on Instagram. Serious TV drama. One word. I, 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 do I need to do more to get followers on these things? I, do I not? I don't, I don't. I need, do I need to hire a social media manager? All right. Maybe I do. You need to find an Ashley. Get yourself an Ashley. Because I'm, I'm tired. I got other things. I got, I got things to do, people. Got TV to watch and write up these goddamn things. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at STVD Podcast. STVD as in serious TV drama. Hey, and if you want to email us, I'll never see it. It's STVD Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I'll, between now and the next podcast, I'll, I'll see if I can remember the uh, password again. I'll see if anyone. I, there's no, people don't even comment on the Facebook page. They're certainly not going to be emailing. Anyway, we'll be back. 
You know what? We'll be back in just a few days with the first of the final six Better Call Saul podcasts. And you know what? Hopefully, a little later in the week, Brian and I, we're going to see if we can match the amazing, brilliant, why would you listen to anyone else? (laughs) Excellence of our previous Stranger Things podcast with one covering the final two episodes yeah, I, of I, that I, uh, series. I see what, see what you did there, buddy. You, you see what I did there? see what you did there. Yeah. Jamie did her cheating on us thing again and did a podcast. With hey, I might pop in. I might pop in. I mean, you might not answer the phone, but I might pop in. <laughs> Be like the little thermometer on the turkey popping in. <laughs> um... I'm forgetting something. Oh, God damn it. I know what I just forgot. Tomorrow night. Oh, Lord. Due to an unfortunate delay, which was not caused by me, meaning someone else, not me, hadn't watched them by last Thursday like they promised to. He ain't watching the boys a season, so he'll never hear this. But I'm going to tell him I said this. I don't care. <laughs> Kimber and I will be recording a podcast covering the second half of the third season of Umbrella Academy. I believe we're going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do it on a goddamn Sunday night. Ugh. Uh, the only time I ever did that was like for fucking Perry Mason, I think. Anyway, that means, yeah, I'm recording like four podcasts in a fucking week. So. You're a busy guy, and our listeners are going to be busy people listening to all of these amazing rundowns. Yeah, this is, and this, all this, this is what I was trying to avoid happening. This is why I was trying to come up with a plan and a schedule, people. people. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be a busy week. You guys are going to have a lot to listen to. Go do some gardening for your drives, whatever it is when you listen. But after this week, it's smooth sailing, and you can hear the sweet sounds of Scott Cagnotti busting out the rhythms of Saul Goodman and his final season. (laughs) How do I follow that? I can't. You know, I was going to, maybe I should quote Herodotus or something like that. (laughs) You know, I I, I am, thank you, Jamie. Wow, I'm used to Brian every once in a while saying something really nice about me. Although I think you, <laughs> although I think his is more sincere. You, uh, I'm sensing them. there might have been a bit of a sarcasm. There's a little bit of salt in the salsa. It's all right. Uh, it's all right. Yeah, good, good, good luck showing up on the podcast again. Anyway, <laughs> well, I'm going to say that Jamie's already said good night, so I'll say good. <laughs> I'm gonna say good night. Keep that, keep that cake hole open, Scott. Yeah, and uh, and 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 like she was saying, I, hopefully if people don't get too sick of me over the course of the next week because there's gonna be way too much of it. All right, good night, everybody. Night. Mm-hmm.